Now last week, I was watching TV, and I watched a 53-year-old man come out here who has more loose skin than a Sharpay puppy come out here and say he's still the man. I mean, I, that, go, that goes way back when I first got into wrestling. I don't know if any of you people remember uh, Dick the Bruiser. Matter of fact, two months in the business, when, like I said, I started for Dick the Bruiser. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something, man. Real voice. Let me tell you something, yeah. He said, as soon as you get there, drop your bags. and said, tell Flair, I told you to carry your bags, you know? Fucking tell Ric Flair, carry your bags to your locker room. I see Ric Flair, number two, the Nature Boy, come out here, who's been the butt end of all the jokes, because he's supposed to be the limousine-riding, jet-flying son of a gun. But I'm saying one time, you should have took a cab and used that money to fix your crooked yellow teeth. I've never had much respect for him, you know. I mean, see, you got to understand, the NWO was, was what was feeling the WCW at the time. And that piece of shit wanted to kill that. He wanted to push so I asked myself if WCW was going to hire the Nature Boy number two, why would they hire the Nature Boy, the original Nature Boy, Buddy Rogers? Because that goes back there. I mean, if you go on the internet now and read about when they did that skit, remember that NWO skit with the one four horsemen? What was the one thing that they did with Xbox was do with Flair? He had a pump under his arm, and uh, you know, so he's crying. I mean, that was the truth, man. He was the biggest fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> We're just messing with Flair because that's the way Flair was. Flair was one of the biggest pansies that ever got in the wrestling. Flair saying he's 16-time world champion, but give me a fucking break. Behind stage, he's the biggest pussy ever. Man. Now, I don't know that Buddy Rogers is dead, God rest his soul, but Ric Flair, your career is dead. And I know as he lays six feet under, he's still styling and profiling, because when you used your little brain and stole his name, there's one thing you could steal, and that was his class. And Rick Rude was a good friend with Paul Wonders, who was amazing. So we're doing tape in center, uh, center stage and Rick Roof fucking hated Rick Flair. Scott so, Steiner with yeah, us. I, I, I'm, yeah. I remember one time Rick Rude, we were TV taping down at center stage. Rick Rude could not stand the guy. He, and uh, he followed him around for like an hour or so. Just said, man, why are, you, why are you champion? Look at you. You look like, you know, like crap. Right. So what he did, he was like... It's a circular thing. So we got like six or seven dress rooms. And I watched Rick Rude go up to Flair and say, Man, why the fuck are you the champion? You look like shit. <laughs> I mean, why isn't Orndorff the champion, you know? You guys are the same age, and you look like shit. So when you walked down that aisle last week, I know I wasn't alone, because the people at home, all they did was grab their remote, Change the channel to WWF and watch Stone Cold, a person you and your old friends got fired from here. Because you're a jealous 
old bastard. So Ric Flair, remember this. In this wrestling business, there's never been a bigger ass-kissing, butt-sucking bastard in this business. But also in life, you're the biggest ass-kissing, back-stabbing, back butt-sucking bastard. And you belong where you're at in WCW, because WCW sucks. And so do you, me. I'm just going to stand right here in the N-W-O for life. So I was ready to walk through and maybe, you know, talk about a sucker punch and then have to beat him up. You know? uh, but that wasn't the case at all. They had told me that he went in a room in the back and was crying. <laughs> Fucking crying. <laughs> See, you guys don't see that, so that's why I say he's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. But you guys don't see that. Come on, go, woo, 16 times, no champion. It's like, come on, motherfucker, you kidding me? You're a pussy, man. installment of our season five from sting to hogan as part of the new blood rising podcast here in season five we're starting into 1991 with clash of the champions 14 dixie dynamite yep that's the name i'm william rinka joined of course by jason keesler hey everyone charlie stabile happy to be here <laughs> and uh yeah, it started in 1991, so now it's officially WCW. Like, uh, the NWA thing's kind of been pushed to the side, relatively speaking. Kind of, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But before we do, uh, Charlie, it was good. For, it was, it's current events. It's good to bring it up. Last night, CM Punk, in some circles, say got destroyed. I saw a lot of headlines that say got destroyed. It's interesting when somebody goes the distance and is still labeled as getting destroyed. I don't know. Did I? I didn't watch it. I kept up with it through tweets, but definitely the you nailed it, man. The more interesting thing is what happened with Corey Graves. So, what you got to say about it, man? It was just weird because I mean, he very he he did everything but mention him by name, and it was like we know who you're talking about. Like, why are you being coy? And then he, like, and he actually got into arguments with people on Twitter that that uh, you know, like, oh, like wh- where are you coming from with this? And he's like, I'll have you know that that he held my baby before I did and because I was out in Japan, you know, I did, he was just, it was just very strange. And he tagged, uh, he tagged Vince McMahon in one of the tweets. And Triple H. And Triple H. Yeah. And, oh, he, oh, he, he tagged. Okay. I didn't, was that the same tweet? Same tweet. Yes, it yeah. was. It was the same tweet. And it was just like, my God, does he want to raise? Don't like, you feel though, Charlie, the timing is weird <laughs> just because of this court, the court, ruling and oh I'm, stop you think it has something to do with cm punk coming back like no no no, no. what i'm saying up. is 
they he got he got them he got one over on them oh of course oh absolutely and this is do with that. kind of and retaliation is, for it yeah and this is Corey graves taking a shot at him like oh cm punk uh he deserted us and and left us here and i like this is kind of news to me i don't remember him like bad mouthing cory graves or or like the entire wwe locker room i mean i remember right back but you know like that was deserved it just you know, you hear these stories about Punk. Like, what was that thing he did for Joey Matthews? Like, he bought him a house. Yeah, he did. He you bought know, like, his house. That's yeah, what, that's an that's an amazing story. And then Corey Graves, and he never really said where it came from. It was just kind of a generalization. You know, like, oh, he just he just left us and and just says bad things about the company. And I'm like, well, you can you can do that. Like, you cannot be happy with who you work for. I read a I read the piece that where he spoke to whatever website clarifying his remarks and. He, uh, well, there's, I, the site brought up this alleged thing that Punk basically threw out to friends that were still in WWE. It's like, you're either going to be friends with me or you work for WWE. If you work for WWE, you can't be friends with me anymore and I won't talk to you. And it's like, whoa, man, that's some, that's some wild stuff. Is that confirmed? Is well, that confirmed? Graves Grave said that was, that that had nothing to do. He didn't know anything about that. So what's his, his reason? Because that would be a pretty good reason. I know. To get mad. I know. But it's not even that. No. So <laughs> that's why it further goes back to your premise. Like it's weird. It's just a weird thing that this this came out there. Jason, what's your take on it, man? I don't care. But I and I don't mean that. And I don't mean that. It's not. That. It's it's the. I mean, like it is out of nowhere. But I mean, maybe they had something that went. That went down between them that has nothing to do with with either one or it i mean it could be uh you know hey say this you're you know you're you're the going to be the voice of my company in a few years you better start doing what i say so say this uh, but i mean it is like when you say he held my child before i did that's not a knock on someone that's like a pretty good compliment like they were there for my family when i couldn't be how well, dare yeah. Yeah, well, it was just—it's one of those things that people do, like when, well, like when you see someone insult someone in public, and they're like, How, "What gives you the right to do that?" Well, he fucked my wife. You know, like, like we're, we're closer than you can possibly imagine. It's like some weird kind of justification for their behavior. Yeah, yeah. it's like he held my child. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. And it just seemed very immature. And and oh god! Oh, and the one thing I will say that I also thought was interesting because I was following that court case a little bit when they interviewed Colt Cabana afterward because I thought of our show. They said, "So what would you say to future you know, to future and current podcasters now that this is all said and done?" He said, "Be insured <laughs> or get insured." And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Because you never know what you're going to say that's going to piss somebody off." <laughs> wow! Holy cow! Yeah. That was wild. I mean, well, what I don't get is if uh, by by law, if uh, people running for political office can say whatever they can say, and it's protected under an, a part of the First Amendment by some ad- addition years and years and years and years ago, then what dumbasses say over a podcast should should also be protected. But you know, that's just me. Well, I agree, but I mean, you know, 
By the way, Roseanne was canceled. I mean, if, if, if we're gonna <laughs> go, if we're going well, no, down you're this not. road, yeah. well, you're, you're free to you're free to say what you want, and there could be consequences like that. But you know, I mean, we like I love Martin when he put out. He's like, thank God. He's like, or Shane Douglas would be coming for us. Oh, I know. <laughs> or New Jack, New Jack for that matter, Mike. New, New Jack is uh, yeah. I think I'm not worried about case. New Jack coming for us legally. I'm worried about him coming for us illegally. <laughs> <laughs> well we'll always know when he's coming because they'll have to play the music you, you gotta play it <laughs> yeah, if Charlie and I do wind up going to MST3K on the street I'm like Charlie oh my god do you hear that is that like if a car passes is playing natural born killers dude I'm sorry I'm gonna be faster than you one way or the other <laughs> he's gonna jump out of the car it's moving <laughs> <laughs> pull Steve Carell yeah I'm out <laughs> Or I was going to say, Jason pulls a ladybird. <laughs> yeah, well, those are the two. You know, it's... It's just funny to think about you and Jason having a ladybird first scene argument. <laughs> and he no. dives out of the car. <laughs> For a second, I was getting ladybird confused with ladybugs. I'm like, so I'm going to dress and drag and play soccer? <laughs> <laughs> with Jack. Hey, if I get to make a movie with Jack A, I'll do it. Wow. Okay. That's a segue. That that's, that's, that's the hard segue. <laughs> so here we are. It's 1991. We're in Gainesville, Georgia. It's Clash of the Champions 14, Dixie Dynamite. And I, there's the one thing I didn't take a screenshot of. Like when you see that card, that title card, and it's got the <laughs> Confederate flag background. <laughs> I thought it was, sur you know, again, just, you know, added to the list of things that Probably. Where's Ranger Ross? <laughs> <laughs> Did we? <laughs> you haven't done what you can to unlock him yet in WWE. Oh my god! I think he's Tony reincarnated. I know. He's <laughs> <laughs> Tony. <laughs> Tony. Or I say Ranger Jim Ross. <laughs> well, well, Jim Ross. What did he say? Jim Ross had a comment that I was like, "Well, that was fucking weird." <laughs> he said. <laughs> he, he says. Uh, he says, "What? What was it?" He goes, "Oh, he's a he's a good role model for all kids, black or white." <laughs> Shit. Like, oh. So there are points in this show where I just get uncomfortable, and and like and that was one of them. I was like, "Why would you say that?" You know. All right. So this thing starts off. We we get the we get the motion graphic with the belt promoting. This is awesome for us. Scott Steiner taking on the world heavyweight champion, who's now happens to be Ric Flair. We also we also get a, a, a you know promo we get some promos for Sting and Luger versus uh, Sting and Luger versus Doom and then bam Confederate flag background Dixie Dynamite just, <laughs> wow and then uh, here we go I mean it's ninety one so we're gonna get a few more months worth of this men and women of men and women in the armed forces from Gary Michael Thank you. <laughs> the one Shannon Faulkner down at the Citadel. That's right. Well, as bad as bad as that is, it gets better because <laughs> Capetta goes, and now to join us in the singing of the national anthem, nobody was singing. Nobody is yeah. singing it. <laughs> nobody sang. And this, this, this is like the greatest rendition oh of the my. national anthem I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. So it's a low. It's pretty much a, what a local high school band playing on trumpets. The the national anthem. Okay. And yeah. um, there are flags everywhere <laughs> in the arena. And then it seems like they peak at about 
and the ramparts weekly. Like, you know, it, it seems like it peaks and dies at that moment of the song. Because <laughs> you start to hear it like, oh, oh, I'm slipping. My lips oh, are geez. slipping. I don't have the breath for it. <laughs> and <laughs> should have smoked that cigarette. Um, yeah, it's no, it's bad. It's and, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's like I like when the fans start clapping because it's like, yeah, that sounds like the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's pretty close. <laughs> All right. I, and I, no one still knows what to do. There's the camera pans. There are people with their hands over their hearts. They're saluting. <laughs> I mean, still like, yeah. what, what do I do? Yeah. Just no, for like, the, it, a quick comparison. I, I only remember WrestleMania 7, like, it being a bit. Like, it's kind of, it's definitely a part of it. Of Not just with Sergeant Slaughter, but, like, they have Willie Nelson coming out there. They got the Mary, like, the <laughs> WrestleMania 7 logo is built in with red, white, and blue. But I don't remember a Royal Rumble, and I don't remember from the shows leading up to it that this, that they, that they kind of embrace this. Do, do you guys? Because I don't. No. What, the patriotic aspect of it? or the... Like the, like this type of patriotic aspect where, like, we're having... <laughs> Wrestling is only patriotic when we're in the middle of a war. Like, that's... But I remember WWF going all... Like, besides WrestleMania. And well, like, WrestleMania I'm... 7, I mean, that's Gulf War. Right. And uh, Tribute to the Troops started because of the Iraq War. It's like, and this oh, is shit, the Gulf War. I mean, th- crap. I mean, that's I what... I I mean, that's what we're in here as well. Right, right. And I just think it's it's wild because, like, I, obviously now it's, you know, it's it's coming at us whether we like it or not. Like, we're going to get it. Oh, uh, we're, oh, we're gonna get it. You're gonna oh. take. You're gonna take our Frankenstein. Yeah, well, we're gonna take it, and I'm gonna take notes about it. Yeah, because. And so on commentary, how about this for a switch? We've got Jim Ross and Dusty Rhodes. I almost quit the podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean to be snarky. It's just even when I was a kid, if he was commentating on Nitro, I was just, oh, Jesus. Oh, man. <laughs> Here we go. We're in for a night. Yeah, we are. I mean, uh, and then what's even more wild is to hear Sting's music right off the bat. I know. Oh, man. I thought my Apple TV just decided to skip to the end for me. And <laughs> trust me, you don't want to watch this. And then, yeah, hear that music. I'm like, oh, God. And there's no mention of Black Scorpion. No. Like, it's over. It's done. Yeah. And we've got Sting and Lex Luger coming out together, which is for us on the podcast. It's the first time we've seen this. Obviously, they're going to team. They've, they've teamed plenty of times together, but this is our first time getting to see it uh, together, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool to see them just because they were always. They're always a lot of fun to see together, you know. So um, they're they are taking on the World Tag Team Champions of Doom. I can't believe this is the first match. <laughs> I, you almost I feel know. like these guys have to be somewhere else. Like, all right, all right, just get them in there. Just you know, let's work. They got to be in Tacoma. All right, we got to get them to Tacoma by the end of the night. So let's let's get through this thing in Gainesville and get them on that red eye or something. Or not the red eye, but get him on a flight out of here as quick as possible. So, um, Jason, this is uh, this one's yours, man. So uh, walk us through Sting and Luger versus Doom. I had a different theory of why they were first. I was wondering if if Luger and or Sting were sick because both of them get very sweaty and very winded very quickly into this match. Um, Sting sweating off his makeup within like the first two minutes. Um, and I'm not saying that to be a joke. It just looked like, man, they were like, yeah, we don't feel good. Let's just go ahead and get out of here so we can go get some rest. Um, there's no Teddy Long. 
And for a second, I was worried and that something had happened, then they, they bring it up. But Dusty Rhodes gets all Dusty Rhodes, and I'm not sure if he said that Teddy Long is out buying condoms or condos for Doom. <laughs> I don't use them. Just... I don't use them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only but... sailors use condoms, baby. <laughs> Whoa. Jesus. <laughs> Don't know where that came from. <laughs> that would be Austin Powers. <laughs> no, no, I know. I, I know where the record came from. <laughs> I've seen the movie. <laughs> I'm familiar with it. Um, but I don't know. It's it's. We get the first big plug of many for the wrestling hotline. And I never... I, Watching these now, I don't remember if this started at 7.05 and you had an hour and a half to call or if this started at 8.05 and you had 20 minutes to get in there. But it's like call to talk to Ric Flair. Uh, and it's just uh, – but excuse me, it's not Ric Flair. As Jim Ross says at one point, perhaps Ric Flair. You'd be pissed <laughs> off. It's like call Ric Flair and you you call and it's Buddy Landell. It's Ellie Gante. Oh, don't worry. I'll be there. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. It's just uh, uh, Luger, when, when, to, as far as the action in the rings, another reason why I think they're sick is Luger goes for a leapfrog over Butch Reed. And he just kind of skips to the side and puts his leg out, and Butch Reed ducks really low to avoid from getting kicked. Um, there are a ton of shoulder tackles in this match. It's like right. if Brock Lesnar used a shoulder tackle instead of a suplex. Shoulder as as tackle many, city, uh, bitch. I believe that's a football tackle. There's <clears throat> <laughs> a lot of football Hard in this match, Charlie. There's a lot of football in here. As you know. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> Cue my note that literally says, Charlie must really love Dusty as every football player wants to be a pro wrestler speech that he gives <laughs> in the middle of this match. We ain't got no helmets. We ain't got no shoulder pads, but we got a lot of concussions, baby, daddy, baby. So, <laughs> man, I, you know, it, I hearken back immediately as soon as he said that to the shit we gave Joey Styles talking about. We ain't got no mats like Disney World. It's like, Oh, yeah. It's still more justification of please like us. Um, I like this little short arm hot tag that Sting gives Luger, or I can't remember Luger gives Sting. It's like they're only like inches away, and he's on the ground. He just rolls over and hands it to him, and that crowd goes nuts. Um, but it, it's here comes Dan Spivey to kind of ruin this match because it was a pretty hot match as far as just it's fun to watch. It's like, You've got Sting, who doesn't have the World Heavyweight Championship, and I wish we had background on that uh, because it's just weird. It says that whole Black Scorpion thing. Ric Flair tries to trick Sting, fails, and then just immediately wins it back as Ric Flair normally. <laughs> a few weeks, but we don't see it. You know, it's just like it's one of those oh, the Intercontinental Championship tournament in Rio kind of things. Um, but they talk about Dan Spivey, and just like as on cue, they're like, "Time to go out there, Dan." He comes out and he beats the shit out of out of Lex Luger, and Randy Anderson is doing all that he can to pretend he does not see this, even <laughs> though Ron Simmons and Butch Reed are double teaming Sting and Iris whip him directly towards the action. There's no misdirection, so Randy Anderson just catches it and looks away like he's just seeing someone in public he's trying to not make eye contact with. Um, but he just. Uh, he stands five, he beats the shit out of Luger some more, gets done, steps over the rope, and high-fives a fan on his way out. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> he did. 
<laughs> just I like, did here. it. <laughs> I did it. And that right, you out of shape guy, you're probably tired of hearing your wife talk about how good looking he is. Well, don't worry, I got him. But then we get back. And, you know, it's full on WCW anymore, but apparently we still got that Jim Crockett rule of no over the top rope because we get a DQ because Sting goes over Butch Reed. And then- Why was that his fault? I know. this. That's my <laughs> biggest note of the match. It's like, this is a grave miscalculation. <laughs> yeah. And then, just like, you know, what will happen to poor Lex Luger years later at, at a SummerSlam, people forget titles don't change hands on DQ. That crowd gets hot. They're thinking, Sting and Lex Luger, here they are, the World Tag Team Champions. Like, nope, still doomed. So, of course, Sting and Luger got to get their heat back and beat the quote, quote, dog piss out of doom. But when Luger does one of his shitty punches to Butch Reed, he does such a great job of selling that he backflip over the top rope and kicks Luger right in the chin with all of his body, <laughs> knocking Luger down so he doesn't look strong at the end of the get the From back. beyond the grave. <laughs> he just jumps right back. And he's just in there posing with, uh, with you know, I mean, like, it's much, like, it was cool. It really was, really was cool to see Sting kick off a show with a match and I believe in all of our champion class of champions we've done so far this is the first time that two champions have fought one another since Luger's still the US champion finally lives up to his name I give this a four and a half okay all right Charlie what you got to say on this one no oh, this will be quick so D- Dusty Rhodes has this thing where he will <laughs> I believe I believe he <laughs> I know I know but I think for every sentence he starts I don't think he ever knows how it's going to end. <laughs> I think he just starts talking and just let's see where it takes his day. <laughs> Does he use autofill to complete his sentences? Yeah. It's like you keep hitting the button and it's like, yeah, man, oh, we should do that. We should like start a, like a dusty promo and then, but then just eventually just start going to fill in, fill in and then see what comes up because I'm just like, what are you talking about? Man? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, uh, you, Jason, you pretty much touched on everything. So I'll just mention the things that you didn't. I think Luger's a little clunky here. Like, <laughs> a little and, clunky. And a little. Yeah, it could be <laughs> that he was sick. I just thought he was just. I don't know. Hey, Charlie, Lex I'll Luger. tell you my note. I I don't know who Lex Luger was wrestling tonight because it wasn't Doom. There is something else he is wrestling. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's regret. <laughs> Because I see him take, it's like he he gets punched by something other than the wrestler, and he takes a bump. He'll, he'll... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Patrick Swayze. Like yeah. even Spivey. Like it's not just Doom and him don't have chemistry. Luger has like anti chemistry with like life and humanity itself. Like he's yeah. is it Bruiser Brody? I'll, 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 I'll he's wrestling. I'll give him this. I thought it was interesting that. Um, this is the most excited I think I've ever seen him in WCW for a ring entrance, and I think it's simply because he's coming out to Sting's music. <laughs> like, yeah, probably. <laughs> like, like, like he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I, I, Sting, of course, diving over the top rope, which I thought was so convoluted because Randy Anderson takes a ref bump to get knocked out of the ring, and and it doesn't really serve any purpose other than he's right there to see Sting go over the top rope. And but he still saw him like do, like do the leap. It, it was just it was just dumb. Now Jason, you pointed this out, and maybe I missed it, but um, Dusty Rhodes says Spivey just cost them the World Tag Team Titles. Well, that was fucking news to me because I didn't know this was for the titles. <laughs> I didn't hear anybody mention it beforehand. I didn't hear Capetta say that. Like, this was a tag title match. Yes. 
I believe yeah. it was. I, nobody said anything. I swear <laughs> to God. Because I was just like, oh, you know, because, you know, you're sitting there. I've seen this so many times in WCW where I'm like halfway through the match and I'm like, is this for the title? And, <laughs> and then like the end of the match, something will happen. Like a guy will win the title. I'm like, man, nobody fucking said this was for the title. <laughs> it just fucking, it just frustrates me. Um, I, I thought this match sucked. I gave it a two. I gave it a two as well. I thought it was really bad. I, yeah. again, I... And it seemed like it was like, well, what are we gonna do? Because it, it, it's one of those bumping of the head, bumping of, all right, well, we can't, you can't look weak, and we can't, and you can't go over, and we can't go over. So we're just gonna kind of dance around here for, I don't forget, forget how long this was, but I'll, I'm pulling it up right now. But uh, yeah, man, Luger seemed ten minutes, just over ten minutes. Um, Luger just is on another planet. I mean, he, I don't know what he is wrestling tonight. Because it's not anybody in this ring. Like, they're frequent. Like, he does this face buster that even the crowd is like, ah, we'll cheer anyway. <laughs> like, I, it makes no sense what he did. Butch Reed is, I mean, like, I, Butch Reed, like, Ric Flair did a great job, like, trying to get something out of Butch Reed. I don't think he's very good. I hate to say Butch that. Butch Reed? Yeah. I, mm. it's, it's just not. And, Jason, when you said, yeah, shoulder block city, it was just sort of like this. Remind the way Lex Luger was acting in that. It reminds me of like you're somebody playing revenge for the first time. It's like, oh, they pick Luger, great. So all they do is a like light a moves, a up, a down. It's like oh, arm drag, pose. Oh, oh, oh I know how to do a pose. Oh, I just that's all they kept doing was just he, he, he would. <laughs> he's like, you want another? I didn't get the first one. <laughs> so I mean. Yeah, and I, the hot tag was great because it's Sting, but yeah, man, this thing just never really came together. But I mean, it, the, I can give it a two, but the crowd, they love this. They were all up in this. Like, their reaction to it was hot. So, I mean, it served its purpose on the card. But man, when you really look at it, not very good. So, mm -hmm. not to me at least, but anyway. Um, Jason, you nailed it. Sting and Luger, they they overcome the post-match attack by Doom. They stand stand tall for the big crowd pump. And then, a crowd pop, then when we're coming back from commercial, it's telling us, yep, get ready, folks. As, uh, it's WCW's sexiest wrestler. Or as everyone else who has the call, they just say, sexy wrestler. They don't know what it is. <laughs> they don't know what it is. <laughs> and I was really pulling for Stan Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that would have been amazing. <laughs> you rigged the amazing. <laughs> just the Stan Hansen sexy calendar. Just like... <laughs> he, I mean, he is the man. I know I'm sexy. I got the look. I'm taking the sexiest wrestler back to Texas. Woo! <laughs> Someone break me, Sonny. I want to trade a blowjob for some tobacco. Oh, God. God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Dios mio. Oh, save that for Cubano. Oh, there we yes, go. Yes, I will. I will. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, much to my disappointment. It's not Stan Hansen. No, Missy I tells us it's the Z-Man, who happens to be Missy's favorite wrestler, and the TV champion will, you know, talk. We talked about that last thing. What's a, It's kind of a bit of a convoluted thing. Not really, but it's just 
by this point, he's actually already lost the title anyway, but he's still, at this point of the recording, he is the TV champion. Thank God that we got this segment. You know, uh, so happy. I only wish the Z-Man could have been out there to talk about it, because that would have made it even better. But, Charlie, you have the Z-Man as the TV champion, defending it against beautiful Bobby. We oh, finally get man. a TV title match. Finally. Finally. And uh, it's two guys that I really like. Unfortunately, I didn't really care for the match. Um I think it was a little strange. Like once once Z-Man comes out, Gary Michael Capetta actually announces him <laughs> as the sexiest wrestler in WCW. And I'm like, uh, okay, that's gone. Let's let that go. And then all of a sudden, and I wrote every person who did it. Dusty Rhodes, Capetta, Missy Hyatt, and even Jim Ross all found individual times during this broadcast to let us know that Tom Zink was the sexiest wrestler in WCW. And it was I like this to think no one told him. <laughs> when Capetta <laughs> well, says, I don't think, sexiest yeah. wrestler, he just stops. They were like, trying what? to give him a character or something, because Jim Ross says, he's, yep, he's a sexiest wrestler, folks, and he's single. <laughs> yep. And uh, it got to be so aggravating and over the top and stupid, I was just longing for football references, of which I got none. <laughs> In this match, I'm like anything about football. Wouldn't like it be great if he was like, or... you know, beautiful Bobby loves to watch football in between. Uh, <laughs> he's a, he's a... <laughs> loves to pull up Buffalo Bills games in between. Yeah. Don't ask me why, folks. <laughs> Charlie, there's one other person you mentioned. If did you catch? There's a fan that yells, "Come on, sexy man!" No. <laughs> <laughs> Sexy man. So, okay, so I guess it's because Capetta, because you know, the people in the crowd can't see these promos. No, they can't. On. And that, that that becomes more of a benefit to us than ever, like later on in the show. Where I'm like, they have no idea what's going on because of these promos. Uh, it was... It was very distracting. The match, uh, I, I, I remember. I don't remember a whole lot because I was just so, just in a whirlwind over this. Um, but I remember there wasn't anything really that grabbed me as impressive. And and I love both of these guys, like I really do. And and I just thought that this match was somewhat lackluster. I gave it a four. Okay, Jason, what do you think? Um, I like that this match is happening, and yes, it's for the TV title because. Starcade, beautiful Bobby broke the Z-Man's 35 win streak, um, and you would think that that would be a big deal. Now that the one, you know, he was on a winning streak. This guy broke a streak. They didn't make a big deal of it then. And the guy who was on this streak now has a title, so he's going to face the guy who beat him in the middle of his hottest streak. Nope, doesn't matter a damn bit. I guess I'm the only person that cares about that. On no, the no, no. I mean, it was just sexy outweighed everything. Yes. I mean, just, yeah. I care yes. more about this this crappy finish and how they try to cover it, and it's awful. Yep. yep. But but we're not there yet. Sorry. Because, sorry. No, because beautiful Bobby's tights just got fresh off the boat from an NBC The More You Know ad campaign with his random rainbow coming through, um, which is great. I like the tights. It's just really weird. From the dark side, and you've got rainbows and stars on your tights. Um <laughs> We get another plug for the hotline, and Jim Ross says 825. Graphic says 835. What the fuck do I do? Mom! You might be thinking, what's 10 minutes? If it's only 20 minutes, that's half the time. It just doesn't make sense. But, you know, uh, Bobby Eaton is not happy because he's beautiful, Bobby Eaton, and here comes sexy Z-Man trying to steal his gimmick because he is punching the shit out of Tom Zink in the face. And you can hear some of them 
and it's really great. Uh, but yes, this was not a three count. Um, this was a two count, and Tom Zink jumping up and down again like he just realized, I'm the sexiest wrestler in WCW. Take that, Luger and Stan Hansen. <laughs> so, but I mean, like, I, I wish this was a lot better than what it was. Um, but I'm with Charlie because I, I give it a four. Yeah. Keep me on for uh, market a four for me as well because, uh, yeah, this ending just sucked. And this match was okay. It was better than the Starcade one, I think, a little bit, not much. Um, I, the fact that it was even like a, like the, the I, well, Z-Man got him with a backslide, and I love that Dusty has to put himself over. Like, yep, I want a, more than a few matches with a backslide, too, baby. When you weigh 800 pounds, man, he's kicking out of that. Oh, my God. Baby, daddy, baby. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I, I not a, I really don't have a lot of other yeah notes about it. Like there just wasn't anything super compelling, which is a bummer for being a TV title match. You want it to be have it a little bit more, you know, a little more prestige in the technical wrestling aspect. But you know, it's fine. It's almost like this belt's gonna wind up in the trash in ten years. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And by this point, I think Arn Anderson's actually the TV champion anyway, so it doesn't really even matter for poor Tom. So uh, we go to Alexandra York backstage with a promo that tells us that later on tonight, the newest member of the York Foundation will be revealed. Stay tuned. All right. I, I guess I'm, I'm so happy I got this match. I have Alan Iron Eagle and Tommy Rich taking on the fabulous Freebirds. So, uh, Tommy Rich just can't seem to get out of this feud, which, <laughs> which he really wasn't a part of. He was added to the feud because Ricky Morton didn't have a partner. But I guess, you know, why not? I mean, I know, I, I blow, I, it's, yeah, whatever. Um, uh, the Freebirds, they do nothing, which is, of all the shows... <laughs> To have yeah, no Confederate Kabuki on Dixie Dynamite. No, they they don't. They just, they look out. Pre they look pretty normal. Um, I love that the one of the first moves that Alan I, uh, Alan Iron Eagle does is a ten count punch, and he's so fired up. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna lay this one in." Does and, and the crowd is once again just sort of like, "Yeah, sure, man, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> you do you, bud. Exactly. <laughs> There's an awesome moment where Michael Hayes goes for a slap on I Alan Iron Eagle, and it makes a hell of a sound, but he never hits him. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Ross tries to say that he caught him, but Dusty buries it instantly as a miss. No, Daddy. No. <laughs> no. And... But did you notice the beatdown that Hayes gave him right after that? Oh, yeah. He got he it back. beat the shit out of him. And <laughs> I am not quite certain that Alan Iron Eagle understands physics when it comes to doing the hard way pull uh, for a wrestler to come back in. He pushes the ropes, like, in towards the wrestler. And I swear Michael Hayes ends up flipping over the top rope anyway. And it's like... <laughs> That's not how it works. Man. Is that what happened? Yeah, I'm trying to yes. figure it out. He pushes like, the ropes like he, in instead of. But he doesn't pull them back. No. Well, 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 a lot of wrestlers would push them and then pull them. But I guess that was it. I guess he didn't pull them back. He does kind of a pull then push, and then that causes Michael Hayes to flip oh, over. Jesus. Well, this <laughs> is Gainesville, Georgia, where gravity is different because it's where AJ Styles. <laughs> because there's a lot of people going over the top rope that shouldn't be going over the top rope tonight. 
And then yet again, like this finish, this is like the quintessential like New Blood Rising season five fabulous Freebirds finish. What happens? The ref gets distracted, <laughs> and they hit a double DDT. I saw it coming. <laughs> Even the crowd love the... normally is chanting DDT. They're just sort of like, ah, oh, bad again. Oh, whatever. Eh. Did you notice Michael Hayes' arm? When he, when he did it, he was like, well, I'm going to put my arm... Oh, you know what? Fuck it. And he just, like, puts his whole arm, like, over his back. Yeah. yeah and it's just, oh, whatever. <laughs> Freebirds get the win. Um, I may be overshooting this. I give it a three. Um, mm. I give it a three. I, I mean... I, Alan, I already... I mean, he's clearly, like, he's, he's a rookie. He's very green. Um, but the thing that's just wild is that, like, you know... Again, like, Tommy Rich, like, made his name in Georgia. Like... It's funny that he's not like a bigger part of the match, like really firing up the crowd because that's what we've learned the whole wildfire thing was was about. So, uh, yeah, man, um, I'm just not too excited about the future for any one of these guys. Just, just really not. I love that they're trying to build the Freebirds. Like they're coming for any title. They want any title. They're coming for them all. It's like okay, well, I don't think anyone's really excited to see them. So. That's all I got to say on Jason. What'd you think about it? Who do I boo in this match? Because I don't like Tommy Ridge. You boo yourself. It's for not who do you it. cheer. It's who yeah. do you boo. Who do I boo? <laughs> so by default, I'm like going for old Allen Iron Eagle. Cause I'm like, you know what, dude, you have done nothing to make us like or hate you. So you, by default, you're the fan fave. Um, free bird matches in the nineties were lazy. And I believe I've said this every match that they've had, but Nothing's changing. It's just a lot of here we come. Look at us. I'm going to stand and point to the crowd and like I'm supposed to be so good and they're going to boo me or not cheer me and it's going to piss me off. And you get, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the same old shit and it's very, very lazy. Um, up until Jimmy Garvin goes for like some kind of move to Alan Iron Eagle in the corner and Alan moves out of the way and Jimmy Garvin's knee wraps around the top rope and his cell is so good, so good in fact that he was screaming in pain before he ever finished the move. <laughs> it's just he starts to yell. He's like, ah, ah! he just changes for it. It was a, um, um, there's the, just the whole, all right, refs, do something. Because they kept pointing out that not only was Alan Iron Eagle a, a rookie, but so was this ref. And when you say you got a rookie ref against the free, well, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> they go give Clearly. him a wet willy. He's going to go swirly. Him. Yeah, I know. But he's going to force the rules. And this just leads me to believe that Tommy Wildfire Rich is the worst partner in the world to have. <laughs> Because he tries to get in there at the end, and the ref turns around and does what he's supposed to do. Now, Tommy, you get out of here. And he doesn't get out of the ring. He stands there like he's going to punch the ref while the free bird double-teamed the poor rookie, Alan Byron. Yeah, he said, no, no, I'm not hot-tagging. I'm going to get you beat up. And they lay that double DDT on him. Uh, and then as soon as they land the DDT, then Tommy goes, all right, I'll leave. And he gets out of the ring. For the to turn around and count the pin. So does he try to come back into the ring to stop the count? No. Why would he? He's Tommy Wildfire Rich. <laughs> well, doesn't he like boot Jimmy Jam in the face like after the three count? Yes. 
Yeah, and, and Jimmy yes. Jam's like, no, nah, I'm not selling the matches over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is our town, sort of, for some I think reason. It's that, I think it's that video game logic, because I saw that double, D, or that double DDT coming, and I was like, there's no way. There's no way they're going to get a three off of that, because Rich could yep. just come in and just stop it. No, he actually just left. He <laughs> left, yeah. He just, he's like, nope, can't get in there. The game got me locked out for a few seconds. That's right. The game <laughs> <laughs> the games used but, to do that. <laughs> now this is something I'm going to jump to a comment that Dusty makes later on in the night because it, it really bears repeating here. I think Dusty buries the Freebirds a little bit later on because it's after uh, Barry Wyndham DDTs one of the Renegade Warriors. Dusty Rhodes says, and that DDT is devastating, baby. No matter how many men do it to you. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Whoa." laughs> So I don't know. He said, you know, who could do it? It's still just a badass move, or if it's like whether it's one or two, really. What what what's the fucking point? But oh man, uh, I <laughs> I gave this match a two and a half. All right, Charlie, how where are you at on this one? Are you are you higher than a three or lower? <laughs> oh, I'm low. <laughs> I'm very low. Uh, so so there's basically just two, a couple of takeaways here. Um, this is like the most I've ever hated the Freebirds, and it's it's simply because when they don't know what to do, when the camera's on them, they just sing their song, and 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 like Michael Hayes is singing it with that stupid face of his, and then he he like looks out of the corner of his eye like like to give Jimmy Jam the cue like come on put your face next to my face, and and they start singing it together, and I'm just oh my god I hate the I'm I'm tired of them like I'm I'm just. Like they're never gonna do anything good. Like this is like anymore at least. This is terrible. Um, Dusty Rhodes. I forgot that he used to do stuff like this. He used to say things in his commentary that were you know basic like sayings that you hear in America. And uh, I believe what he was trying to say was uh, tripping the light fantastic. And what he ends up saying is he's doing the light fandango. And Whoa. I, I don't I don't know what that is. I don't I don't even know what that means. In fact, I don't even know wh- who he was talking about uh, <laughs> when he said that. So I don't know. So let's talk about let's talk about Alan Iron Eagle. Um, yes. So this fellow, <laughs> I, I'm assuming this is his first match ever because it's not just the punch, even though that's the worst. Because I had to rewind it because I was just shocked. But I don't think I don't think this guy has a clue what he's doing. <laughs> Uh, he, he's not really Iron Eagle. He's more like Iron Eagle 3. Uh, <laughs> Aces Iron Eagle 3. He, he's Aces Iron Eagle 3. Yeah, that's, that should have just been his name. Um, he, if you're going to have the name Iron Eagle, like that's going to grab my attention. Like, oh, what's this guy? Like, Does he come out to like some cool rock and roll music and you know, just like looks like a badass? And no, like th- like this guy. I mean, he looked like he could have been one of the Renegade Warriors' long lost cousins. Like t- to me, you know, just like oh, look at this guy. Um, didn't like it. Didn't like the no self sucker punch. But I did love Michael Hayes just beating the shit out of him outside. I, I was <laughs> laughing my ass off. Um, I think uh, I think that's it for that. I gave this a two. Okay. Well. All right. So now we shift to a promo for. Wrestle War, where we're gonna have, we're gonna be seeing in our next, I guess it'll be on our next show, Sting and Flying Brian and the Steiners taking on the Four Horsemen. That sounds fun. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see how that I, turns out. 
But we don't know when it's going to happen because there's more confusion from Jim Ross versus what everyone else is saying. Because Jim Ross is saying that uh, he says that January 24th is Wrestle War. Graphic says February. Right. I mean, like, and they also say later on that it's Sting, Luger, the Steiners, and Pillman against the Four Horsemen. I'm like, well, that's not fair. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Four's in their name. There's five other guys. The five horsemen? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> That'll never work. This, this... this is J.J. Dillon. <laughs> so now we go back, and we have Jim and Dusty talking for a moment before they shoot it up to Tony Schiavone and Pauly Dangerously. Pauly hypes himself as the intergender arm wrestling champion, which we know where that's where, where, yep. they're, rip, where they're ripping that off. Um, Dusty puts out this veiled notion that Pauly is gay. Uh, yep. Paulie goes. I Paul. This is the ballsiest thing I, I I've heard him do in Georgia. He pulls out like he goes all in on redoing the "I Have a Dream" speech for himself. Yes. And I was like, dude, I give you mad props because that I don't know a lot. I don't. I haven't seen a lot of wrestling guys. I would that would take it that far. But man, that it, it sounds really good. He goes for it, and he, his commitment is there. But wow. So. Uh, can I make a comment about Dusty real quick? <laughs> like, so Dusty, he makes that gay joke on Paul E. And I don't even remember what he said. I remember just being like, oh, that's a no-no. So he makes the gay joke. And then, like, within a, a, another, like, ten seconds, he Dusty proceeds to say that he will climb Paul, Paul E.'s hiney. It's, uh, I, I ha also caught this. This is the, I, I was let's like, beat up Dusty wow. Bay. Yeah. He says, uh... He calls Paul. He says, "We know you like." Uh, he says something, uh, you know, the whole ooh, ooh. and even Jim Ross's eyes go, "Oh, oh he's calling you a queer, Paulie." Uh, <laughs> what do you got to uh, say to that, pal? <laughs> yeah, and then Paulie tries to defend himself. So Dusty just goes, "No, nah, I'm gonna keep going." He says, "If you don't shut up, you gonna make me come up here and get your tiny honey with the Dusty accent and everything." So this is where I'm confused. So first he calls Paulie a homosexual, then says, "I'm gonna get your tiny honey," and then says, "If Paulie loses, he's letting all men down everywhere." Make up your mind, Dusty. <laughs> which, which is it? It's, the, it's like it, the, it's like that thing where if you the people that talk about it the most, those are the ones to you know that well, <laughs> that actually I'm, are, and then. <laughs> And Dusty does this a couple of times with certain things, and I'm like, this is weird. You know, yeah. I'm like, why would you say that? But it's like, I, I took it the other way. Where Will was like, man, mad props to you, Polly, for doing the I Have a Dream. I was like, right off the whole Dusty homosexual rant. And then this, I was like, WCW swinging for all the offensiveness in 90. <laughs> I can't understand why we're not beating WWF. I just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> We're on, like, every night of the week on this. Like, literally every night. Like, we have a show on Sunday, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, oh, oh. So, Jason, it. It, it, you got up next, we've got Jumpin' Joey Mags versus Sid Vicious. Oh, I saw Jumpin' Joey Mags come out. And I was like, who, who's this guy? And then, like, boom. I was like, oh, poor Joe. Oh, he's that guy. Yeah. Yes. He's the victim tonight. And Sid gets a cool fucking entrance. Yeah. yeah. Entrance is a 10. It. And 
somehow WCW ruins it because from the long shot you see him, which is cool, but they've got a cameraman right there. At no point do they cut to sti- a close-up of sti- ah, can't even talk. Sid spinning, standing perfectly still, looking menacing and everything. No, we cut to the camera guy after Sid walks off and starts his I'm master. And we're like, oh, here we go, cutting his promo. Uh, the concept of Sid Vicious having his own EMTs is fucking amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> when they said it, I was like, for real? And I still don't get it. How is Sid? Like, Sid has his own music. He's doing his own thing. And yet, for some reason, he's still part of the Horseman. I don't get it. <laughs> They don't. What to do? If you ask me, you could have Sting, you could have Luger, you could have Sid, and you have the Steiners, and then Brian, and you've got six pretty stout, like baby faces, and then you could just start feeding them all these people because you know Hanson's there, the Horsemen are there, Vader's coming back. It could be great. And no, we just still don't know what we do. Um, but old Jumpin' Joey put Sid Vicious in a headlock. I'm surprised. Oh, God. Must have been like, you know what, kid? Like you. Headlock me. Sure. Uh-uh. Don't headlock, Sid, because you're just getting closer. Because uh, then he also gives Jumpin' Joey one of the nastiest-looking kneeling power bombs I've ever seen. <laughs> he doesn't even like He's like, no, you're not even good enough for you to put your crotch in my face. You're going over my shoulders. I'm going to almost put you in the freaking razor's edge. But no, I'm going to kneel while I powerbomb you, and you are going to kiss your own taint. One, two, three. <laughs> it wins. And here comes. And when he wins, I've forgotten, even in the few brief messages it was said, that he has his own EMTs. And then when he starts waving to people, I'm like, wait, Sid's got a group that's going to beat this jobber up, too? <laughs> Is Spivey coming back to beat up this yeah. guy? Yeah, that would be great. I don't know a lot about EMTs, but I know they don't come out in scrubs. You know? <laughs> no. No. What's cool is they, they wheel out the freaking stretcher that they put the guy on just for Sid to knock him down. <laughs> it's the, What's great is like they're showing the replay, and they're like, wait, 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 we got some going wait, on. Wait, wait, the rampage continues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't, no, you don't get the camera off Sid till he's out of the room. That's just the black. And he turns around and cuts a promo to some kid in the front row. I'm the master and rule the world. And I'm sure that kid was pissing in his cotton candy because that was done. This was great. I give it a six. Charlie, what would you think of this, man? <laughs> Hold on. Oh, man. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. So, Sid, like, he's the only one who uses this thing uh, on, the, on the entrance ramp. And he's spinning. And it looks so cool. But the thing that sucks is that the, the camera, they, they don't know what to do with the cameras, and the lighting isn't quite right. It could have looked so amazing. Like if they had, like, some smoke coming up from the bottom, it was like WCW almost had a great idea. And instead, it just looked kind of weird, like seeing Sid, like, twisting from afar. And it made me think of that Will Ferrell SNL sketch where, <laughs> where he's on the wheel thing like that and, and starts throwing up. <laughs> just, oh, God, it's going too fast. You know? Um so this happened later in the night, and I have to equate it to this. I have to say this now. Uh, during Stan Hansen's promo later on, he says and he, he will do anything he damn well pleases. And when Sid is introduced, he's always introduced as being from anywhere he darn well pleases. And I can't imagine 
that they would just come up with this like in kayfabe mode unless Sid told them like like where you're from anywhere I darn well please and I don't see Sid as a guy who says darn hey it just it just doesn't it just doesn't fit and especially and because I'm like I guess they're not swearing but I hear damn I hear ass later in the show and I'm like why can't he say that you know I just thought that that was a little strange I, I thought kind of ruined his, his his toughness uh when they, whenever they say that um I did like that Mags immediately put him in a headlock. I was laughing out loud as soon as he did it. But it was around this time that I thought, okay, WCW is kind of laissez-faire with these nicknames. I was like, why the hell is he jumping Joey Mags? And sure enough, right when he put him in the headlock, he started, like, doing this hop and skip routine. Like, he was, like, bouncing while he had him in the headlock. And I'm like, oh, he got a signature right off the bat. He did. I'm like, like this must be like a signature of some kind. Like he's calling for something. Well, whatever he was calling for, uh, nobody picked up <laughs> because because Sid. I mean, my God, that power bomb. Like it's one of those power bombs where the guy tucks his chin perfectly, and it doesn't matter. Like you're still gonna hit your head, and it's it's great. And this is when they mention Sid's EMT staff. And I'm trying to figure this out. I'm like, so let me get this straight. So Sid's paying an EMT staff to take care of his victims that he abuses. And he's actually paying the the EMTs. But when they cut back, they're the EMTs with the guy on the stretcher. And (laughs) Sid's already kicked it. Sid's already kicked it. So it's like, well, why the fuck would he have EMTs? Like to begin with, it's just a waste of money. But because I was like, it's a badass idea at first. But but if I really thought about it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But it does. Wait, wait, wait. You're you're questioning how Sid Vicious spends his money, Charlie. You know how he spends his money. Anyway, he darn well pleased. Anyway, I darn well pleased. I like to think it's they're like their Sid's like anywhere I darn well pleased. Well, why don't we say anywhere you're damn well pleased? He's like, hey. I'm a family guy. (laughs) (laughs) This is a kid's show, man. (laughs) Well, it is a badass powerbomb. And it's also one of those powerbombs where you go, I really hope he covers him after that one. You know, (laughs) unlike some of those other ones that, like that one you sent me, Will, with yeah. the tornado power. Bomb. <laughs> and just guess what? Not finish. <laughs> Here's a real power bomb. Please cover him. So yeah, I I thoroughly and en- for a squash match, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I gave it a five. I have it as a five as well. The post match, I have a ten. That that's phenomenal. <laughs> that, that 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 cut from the replay to him just getting destroyed. That's awesome. And I love that he's in trunks, not the singlet. I he yes, looks so I much so much better. But yeah, tremendous confusion over what they're doing with him. Because last month it was him and Spivey. It seemed like okay, they're gonna go take the tag belts. I guess that was short lived. <laughs> and then now he's doing this. And again, it's that is he a face? Is he a heel? So it is a little confusing. But we'll see what happens at Wrestle War. I'm kind of curious to see what it's like to see him and the Horsemen actually like doing stuff together because we haven't really seen them together doing much of anything you know so can i mention um, something about the hotline real quick yes so oh we get that, yes we get, we get this other mention for the hotline and i always notice this when we watch network shows and i don't think anything of it they always block out the phone number with phone number no longer active and it's like oh okay but then the voiceover guy they still keep that in 1-900-909-9900 like he still says it and I, I don't understand the point. You know, it's, it's yeah. 
why would you leave it off? Well, like, first of all, for people like us, that phone number is ingrained in my head. Like, I, I, as soon as I heard those numbers, I was like, oh, I remember that phone number. Yeah, you because know, they used to say it over and over and over again. But it's just one of those weird inconsistencies that they do on the network. I love, like, some of the, what they, like, when you call the hotline on a specific day, you get this. I just want to hear Lex on the level. <laughs> Lex on the level. <laughs> he looks, he's the only one that you can really hear part of his conversation. It's just, and Sting. <laughs> I like that. I like the idea that Sting answers the phone in face paint. <laughs> and has his crazy eyes going, too. You pick up the phone, you're getting the stinger. <laughs> He's like, Sting, what are you putting the face paint on for? About to hit the call center. Woo! Got to get that AHT down, brother. We got to go. Meanwhile, Lex is, Lex is like just reading you lists. I got to get spinach. <laughs> I gotta get some eggs. <laughs> and Missy Hyatt gets the heart graphic. It's like, who calls? They call to talk to Missy Hyatt and you realize it's the recording. It's like, man, I could have had a chance. <laughs> so, uh, Tony gets to interview Sid after his last match. <laughs> and Sid asks him if he can smell the fear. <laughs> so, can you smell it? Smell <laughs> it. I was like, The Rock? And then he kind of elaborates that he has a goal for 1991. Doesn't really tell us what it is, but I guess we can just infer he wants to be the world heavyweight champion. Or maybe Sid wants to be the TV champion. I don't know. Maybe that's his whole goal is to become the TV champ and just be on all the time. He wants to be the sexiest wrestler in 1992. Z-Man. <laughs> Coming for you, Tom Think. Are you kidding? <laughs> Have you I didn't get that seaweed wrap for nothing. <laughs> so now we've got Charlie. We've got Ricky Morton versus the computerized man of the 1990s, Terry Taylor. Well, that stupid nickname didn't give it away. I know. Like, as soon as I said that, I was just, well, first, like, you saw that thing I put on Twitter. There's the, like, if you actually watch it, like, so. So Morton's already in the ring, and then it cuts to the crowd for some reason, and you see this this, well, this lady, uh, just standing there, and you hear you it, she hears the music, and she knows him by the music. She goes, and she just, Wait, Taylor, like you actually see her do that, and you're just like, what? And here comes Terry Taylor, you know, the charismatic enigma, and. <laughs> And they go, yeah, the computerized man of the 90s. I'm just, I mean, I thought the Red Rooster was bad. I mean, that, that is too, that is a mouthy nickname to have. Um, I didn't actually write any of the stories down, but I did write the note, Dusty with his quote-unquote insightful stories. Because um, <laughs> he droned on and on about something, and I just checked out and just was like, I'm going to make a note of that bullshit. So then miraculously alexander york makes her way to the ring and then and this is where it gets interesting uh <laughs> terry taylor and and ricky morton both look at each other and do the whole batman versus superman thing uh, is she with you no i thought she was with you he's not with me what's going on Mara. and then ricky and yeah <laughs> and then ricky morton just i guess he looked at taylor and said well i'm gonna give her the business and he walks over to the ropes <laughs> and just like starts Starts a, starts a pointing, and Terry Taylor just kind of clubs him in the back, and I guess this was supposed to be the reveal for the audience in attendance that he had turned, but it was so 
like poorly done that it was like I would have done that too, whether or not I was the computerized man of the nineties. <laughs> um, so like, Oh, like they've turned on him. And then that's right when they put up in the top right corner, the Alexander York uh, pre-recorded promo where she says that Terry Taylor is the newest member of the York foundation. And, and Jim Ross and Dusty are like, Oh, this is incredible. Blah, blah. And like, once again, like the audience has no idea. Like they don't have a clue out there and it's just for us and it's still not overly obvious that that's what's going on as the match goes on um and 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 i couldn't help but wonder like if they had known how that lady in the crowd felt that terry taylor had joined the york foundation and uh and turned his back on on his loyal fans um (laughs) i i wonder like i really wish we had a follow-up to that but the match is it's it's okay it's not terrible it's just just left me in in just a state of puzzlement i I gave it a five jason how about you i'm just too busy laughing at that charlie wondering how that woman felt betrayed (laughs) i think she did not have a custom lex luger sweatshirt she She did did. that's what was so weird it's like it's like you really don't have a type do you yeah, you're going for Luger. Yeah, give that give that woman handsome. Like, like, like throw him out there and give her some chaw. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> Charlie made him make it sound gross. And <laughs> oh, you can do that with just about anything, you know. You take her in the back, give her a little lariat. You know? Oh my god! <laughs> <clears throat> So uh, <laughs> probably drools all over. Oh man, this is getting dark. Are you, finished? you guys better change the subject. Well, I just felt shit all over my back. No, man, I'm dripping chow. No, hey man, man you want to come back that... watch some dark shadows? It's <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be like this. Trust me. Stan Hansen, Supermaning women, but he's using tobacco instead. Here, put this rope on. Yeah. No. Did you hear that I was the runner-up for the sexiest employee at WCW? Will you stop? That'd be great if Gorilla Monsoon was there in life, commentating his seduction of this woman. Did you say if Gorilla Monsoon was there, and then in parentheses, and alive? No, 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 no. They're live. Like he was actually in person with them, commentating the seduction. The seduction of Stan Hansen. <laughs> the timeless art of seduction. Fifty Shades of Chaw. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I would like to see the top ten bracket for the Saturday Night WCW. That's a bracket I could get behind. And <laughs> Stan Hansen just be there. Number six! <laughs> <laughs> and for no reason, the big cat and Motor City Madman are on the list the same number <laughs> where's big cat <laughs> okay <clears throat> oh man well, uh, glad we needed that because uh that's a lot different than the lockup headlock hip toss repeat arm drag arm drag lockup hip toss arm drag arm drag he's the perfect from- wrestling teacher <laughs> yes. terry taylor he knows the basics I don't think Ricky Morton or the people in Gainesville, Georgia, need a class on fundamentals. You know, you need to to save that for dark matches. You know, it's like Alan Iron Eagle would have been a great opponent. (laughs) 
you know, one day I'm going to have a finishing class at a performance center. Headlock takedown. Here we go. But uh, the pace does pick up a little bit. We see one or two new moves, like a dropping knee. And the whole match, Jim Ross and Dusty are burying the lead on this turn that's coming. Oh, well, Terrence Taylor has been talking to the WCW championship. Or excuse me, Terry. He's not Terrence yet. <laughs> he will be Terrence. No, he, that's no joke. He, he becomes yeah. Terrence Taylor. I was all about to say that would be perfect. I had, I didn't know that. Yeah. But that would yeah. if he changed his name to Terrence. <laughs> yes. And what's um, ironic is Ricky Morton, I think, will do the same thing, and he becomes Richard, Richard Morton. <laughs> yep. Now has has before has Michael Wall Street already left? I think so. I am almost certain well, that he's left. That's what's so weird because he's in the Ric Flair segment with uh, Lawrence Taylor <laughs> and Kevin Sullivan. Kevin, hold on, hold on. Kevin Sullivan is there. Ric Flair, Mrs. Benoit, is yep. there. And uh, oh, there's one other person. Oh, it might, it might, it might just be Alexander York. Be, but, yes, but man, that was weird. <clears throat> it's like one of those when you go somewhere and there, there, someone's just trying to paint. Look at all these icons shooting pool. Someone's just like the non-icons, Ric Flair and Lord Taylor. Be great. Well, uh, well, Wall Street looks so uncomfortable in that too. Like it's, it's weird we're talking about that now, but still, like he, he was he pulling so out of place. He was pulling for the Bills in the Super Bowl. He was like, I, I never much liked Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor had tried to buy crack off of him. Hey, man, I know you're into Wall Street. You can get some of that Coke. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like the, they talk about how he's more aggressive. He's gone to the championship many. Uh, he's doing all this. You're like, this sounds like someone who's turning heel. When you start right. talking about attitude change, generally you talk about the attitude change after they've turned. You know, you start going, oh, this guy. Right. But no. Yeah. You're right, because he does, he does that aggressive crap. But uh -huh. it just looks like what a wrestler should be doing, you know, yeah, instead of just being Terry Taylor. Yes, and and being aggressive against someone who has the experience of the level of Ricky Morton. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, but like when he like you said it perfectly, when he does that clothesline from behind, and that's supposed to be the reveal to the people there, they're in a match. It's not like they won and they shook hands and then boom, who's she with? It would have been better if I guess he's already gone, but it would have been a little bit better if Wall Street was already out there because then. They would have had a reason to actually pay her any attention. Or if Alexander York had thrown something in Ricky Morton's eyes, like that yes. would have been a, a better reveal. Yeah, she had thrown something. the computer in his eyes. <laughs> no, no. For whatever reason, I'm thinking of Mr. Fuji at WrestleMania 9. Like, for, for whatever reason. She just got back. <laughs> no, wait, wait. Not to get off topic. Do you remember that in Brett's book when he talks about Mr. Fuji yeah. doing that at nine? And he's like, he could barely get in the ring with his old legs. And just, he could, he could, he, it, and, and I was just sitting there doing everything I could to keep Yoko down with those giant legs of his and just waiting. And he just was like crawling into the ring, like under the bottom rope. Felt like an eternity. <laughs> Congratulations to Bret Hart on getting his college education and physical. I was like, don't put down Fuji. Come on. But this, I was looking forward to this because I'm like, both of these dudes can like, can go on a, you know, a nineties level. It's like, yeah, this would be great. It's just really weird. To see Ricky Morton, not in a tag match because how's he supposed to get a hot tag after getting worked up? <laughs> That's what you wait to see. Um, and, and the weird thing is, is the, the end of this match, mercifully, is Ricky Morton gives Terry Taylor an accidental senton, but he's the one who gets pinned. I don't know what's supposed to happen. Are we supposed to believe because 
he goes for a drop kick real close to the ropes and falls down that Terry Taylor just rolls him up. And that was part of Alexandria York's master plan. Just, I don't get it. Uh, it's kind of boring, but I give this match a four. I'm, ju- I'm, I'm at a five, uh, for me. I, you guys pretty much covered everything with it. Um, the missed drop kick to finish. I'm just like, wow, man, we're really on top. Like whoever was coming up with the finishes tonight was really on point. You know, between the and I don't know that backslide may not have been like the supposed to be the finish, or it was one of those we got to take it home, and uh, we're just gonna it'll just it'll be what it is, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, what a way to reveal it! Like, oh, we've already got the promo set up. We'll just cue it up halfway through the match. <laughs> and also, why couldn't she tell us earlier from the exact same position? Well, hey, stay tuned for my promo earlier or later. Right. No, 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 you're right. It's- don't air this one until halfway through that match. Yeah, I, I'm I, I'm excited to see where the York Foundation kind of goes once they start bringing in these other dudes. Like, cause it's a cheesy like quote unquote stable or whatever, but it's it's kind of fun to watch in this lower card because it's just so ridiculous. But uh, I do want to see her just throw the computer at somebody instead of the song. That's <laughs> gonna be awesome. <laughs> It would be like Jeff Jarrett's guitar. Yes, <laughs> except she throws it. She just keeps breaking guitars. Yeah, I hope she's got a lot of external hard drives. <laughs> Does it just say slap nuts on the back of her laptop? It says don't it's piss her off. It's not a cost-efficient yeah. weapon. Uh, <laughs> with the Apple logo on it. <laughs> you know that Alexander York broke a million laptops and never drew a dime. <laughs> never drew a dime. <laughs> um, oh, man. So we get a promo for Japanese women's wrestling that will appear at WrestleWar. Interesting. You know, it's, uh, well, we'll see how that turns out. Bill uh, Meccano. Someone get pop bottle to talk about getting him alive, too. Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're talking about, <laughs> just, it was like, it's, we're getting a promo for Japanese women wrestling, and it just seems like the same two women that are oh, in the same match. Yes, yeah. And I just cut back to Bob Cottle the way he was. They call her Bambi because she's a deer. You know, it's just like they call oh, her Cottle because she's a, like a China show. You know, just waiting for him to come back. So now we go to Bill after presenting Sting the Wrestler of the Year award for 1990. Sting unfortunately is wearing green in front of a green screen. Um, <laughs> hold it. Because <laughs> you can tell, like, if you just look at like the edge of like his arms and stuff like that, like it's like threatening to he's threatening to disappear. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. This, this is when I uh, I realized that uh, they sure do like to mention what year it is on this show. Like, yeah. they don't do this kind of thing anymore. You know, it's like. Like if you watch a lot of movies from like the late '80s, they're like, "Oh, he's an '80s man," or "Hey," and then, then once the '90s started, it's "Welcome to the '90s," and he's a '90s man. What the hell's that? It's 1991. You don't. Nobody does this anymore. Uh, there was just some fascination with like the changing of decades back then that just stopped existing after the '90s ended. Yeah, I really don't feel it anymore. I don't feel them mentioning no, that with I, wrestling. I, I, I think it's because we just don't know what to call it. You know, like, it's like, like some people are like, "Oh, you remember the odds?" Like, what the hell's that? <laughs> Now we're in the teens, the nineteens. Yeah, I guess we're in the teens. Well, I remember South Park come up came up with the tweens. You know, it was like two thousand nine to two thousand twelve. <laughs> 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 yeah, what a strange time that was. <laughs> you know? I was also a, a big fan of the band Third Base. They had that song "Pop Goes the Weasel." 
in 91. It was really good. They had Henry Rollins playing Vanilla Ice in the video. And every time anyone under in this has said it's 91, though, I'm immediately, like, that song just pops in my head because of that line. It, it, it's something you should really look up. It's a fantastic 90s rap song from white guys. It's really good. <laughs> right. Okay, so here's, this will probably be the most talked about portion of the show. Here we go. <laughs> We go back to Jim Ross and Dusty, where Dusty proceeds to mark out for the troops overseas like it was the Hard Times promo. Uh, he then goes overboard about people talking bad about the president and the U.S. being in the being in the war. And I just wrote, "Whoa, that escalated. That escalated quickly. <laughs> that got to like it was strange how like it's like man, that is the most relevant part of this show. <laughs> it really is. This has aged very well." But, but the but the ironic thing is, ten years ago, it aged poorly. Yeah, it really. <laughs> What's hilarious is right as this match is about to start, Dusty back. Somebody must have gotten in his ear because he backs off immediately on those words. He's like, "I'm well, sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry." <laughs> <for saying." laughs> I know I I used a little their language, but I get passionate because doesn't when he end his promo, doesn't Jim Ross just say, "And that's all that can be said about yeah, that." Yeah, that's all. Yeah. That's the final word. Basically, he says that American citizens aren't allowed to have an opinion on whether or not we should go to war. That's yeah. basically what he said. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck you, pal. <laughs> you know? like, not you too, I, Dusty, with his MAGA wrestling boots. <laughs> yeah, like, that was just, that's just disgusting. Like, like to, to hear that, you know, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> you know, because thinking about it now, because it's like people talking bad about, George Bush. I mean, you know, I, I guess we were too young to remember that stuff, but uh, you know, equating it to now, it's like, man, that, that's like the whole thing about being an American. You know, like we're allowed to do that, but you know, then people like Dusty come out and say, no, you can't do that, and that's all that can be said about it. <laughs> it's just, oh, safe to say, Dusty probably wouldn't have been a fan of the kneeling. Safe to say, <laughs> you probably, think so? Pro I, I'm just throwing it out there, man. Well, it's a hunch well, I've well, got. That's a nice segue because I couldn't help but wonder what Ranger Ross would have thought. Okay, a true American <laughs> Ranger Ross, apparently. <laughs> um, a great role model. <laughs> first, first, let me ask. Let me ask. Whose match is this? <laughs> it's, it's mine. But I'm oh, okay. willing. Oh, I, no, no, you're good. You're good. I, I was before you said that I was like I am I I don't think I can do this as well as you can. I'm just gonna say that. So I don't know. Uh, I don't, no, I feel like <laughs> okay, oh my god. Okay. I mean, do you want me to <laughs> go for it, man? Please. I I thought of you as soon as I saw El Cuban. <laughs> well, I mean, let's talk about it. So it's Ranger Ross versus El Cubano. And this is really strange. So Ranger Ross comes out, and he's like an all another one of these shitty all-American characters, like the Patriot, <laughs> Del Wilkes, or some asshole like that that'll never go anywhere. He's just there to get the cheap pops. Oh, he's American? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? We'll make him black so that you'll feel better about cheering him. Thank you! I mean, it's just lame. It's just stupid, pandering bullshit. So then El Cubano comes out, and I was like, Really? <laughs> Is this who we're, is this, like, because I was trying to figure this out. Like, is this who we're against right now in the Persian Gulf, the Cubans? Yeah. Like, they got the Gulfs confused, Charlie. Like, I was a little confused. And then I was like, okay, wait a minute. So his name tr roughly translated is the Cuban. <laughs> and I, like, that made me laugh. Um, the We get another one of these 
pre-recorded promos in the top right-hand corner from Ranger Ross, and it is the drizzling shits. I mean, there's there's no emotion to it. Like, there's no feeling. It's just the it's like it's literally he's reading from a script. You know, I was born in America. I love America. And blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. I've, I've, Charlie, I've, how, I've seen, I've how, seen how awesome would it have been if Ranger Ross was actually the Great Muda? And they, <laughs> a true American, great Muda. <laughs> and this guy, this Ranger Ross. So I'm trying to actually remember the match because I'm like, okay, let's see what, let's see, maybe this will surprise me. And the only thing that surprised me was when El Cubano was on the outside. Ranger Ross does this. I don't know how to describe it, but this gallop over the top rope, and I'm like, oh, is he gonna just level him in the back of the head? No, he's just jumping over the top rope and basically ruining his knees. He just lands and doesn't do anything, and then just kind of lightly clubs him in the back of the head from a standing position. You know, it's just, what the hell was that? And so between that, the horrible promo, and this is when I start wondering who the hell El Cubano actually is. And I'm looking at him, and I'm, first of all, I think he's had way, a few too many Almond Joys, uh, for one. I mean, this guy isn't in any kind of shape. Uh, he's, uh, he looks like he could be one of those Andersons that we're not aware of, you know, like just from, just from a body standpoint, but the match ends and it is just, the, of course it's like, Oh, who's going to win? It's not going to be El Cubano because that would have been interesting. No, Ranger Ross wins the match and it's terrible. This is the worst fucking thing on the show. I give this a one. <laughs> Um, I hate these. I hate these. As a final word, I hate this propaganda bullshit. And it, and I know that to some people that listen to our show, I might sound anti-American. Couldn't be further from the case. This is pandering bullshit. This is cheap pops, cheap ways to get people to like them. Because they, they have nothing to say about America until there's a fucking war going on. And it's nuts. Like, it's just... I'm done. <laughs> so... I or, or no, Jason, you go ahead because I'll save this for the end. I'll save this for my bit. Jason, go ahead with uh, your thoughts on Ranger Ross, the true American versus El Cubano. Well, to me, it sounds like Charlie would have been a lot happier if Ranger Ross would have come out, and then it would have been revealed that his opponent is also Sid. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> or so they Vader, they only got one. Oh God, they only if they still had. Um, um, the jumping, what was the guy's name? What was his name? The jumping Jim Joey. What was it? <laughs> jumping Joey Mag. If they had Joey Mag still Joey on the stretcher Mag. and they had to put Ranger Ross on top of him on the stretcher. <laughs> no, he uh, power bombs him through Mags, through the stretcher. <laughs> takes the flag from him and still just waits. <laughs> America looks like America's Swedish strong. merch machine. Yeah. America's strong. So, uh, it, is Rick Flair El Cubano? Because I'm wondering that too. That is one of the masks that one of the fake. Yeah, I wrote this too, Jason. Same thing. Yep, it's one of the scorpions. Uh, this match really ended a minute away through because Ranger Ross had El Cubano in a hammerlock, and El Cubano bangs on the mat three times. Isn't that a <laughs> no bueno? Right? No, not in Cuba. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Bay of Pigs, am I right? He's pointing at him at his, his girlfriend. But uh, Jim Ross calls Ranger Ross Rangy. 
So he says he's rangy. What was the name of that guy from the Freebirds? What was that guy's name? Oh, uh, Little Richard Marley. Little Richard. Is this just him repackaged? No, he's got a little. I think he's got a little more meat on him. Okay, all right. Yeah, he's been eating some Cubans with El Cubano. They've been hanging out quite. Oh, that sounds good. Those are good sandwiches. Oh, yes. But it's like. He looks like he's had a few too many of them himself. <laughs> hey, remember? Okay, so he was the first ranger on the ground in Granada, as Jim Ross tells us. Is so, that true? Jim, Jim Ross, if you don't have a football background, he's going into your military <laughs> history. <laughs> did he play football? No. Well, did he serve? No. Yeah. And then Dusty Rhodes is going to come back at him and say, all military people want to be professional wrestlers. We don't have drill sergeants. We don't have no, no. It's it's bad. Uh, just of how much this is. We've given this match way more time than it is. But I mean, I have the obligatory Ranger Ross as John Cena's friend Tony note. I mean, like, okay, all right. Go down at some point. Um, but I didn't hate this as much as Charlie did. So I gave it a two. I have it at a two. The only thing I'm going to add to this match is the like when you look at the career of El Cubano, aka uh, Fidel Sierra, who was a cousin of Bill Bill Alfonso. Um, wow. I'm going to give you all of his wrestling names. Yes. El Hombre de la Habana, Cuba. El Sanguinario Cubano, El Cubanimissimo, El Cubano, the assassin. Wait, wait, every single name is the first word is the. Wait, was he Cuban assassin? He was the Cuban assassin. He was, was he ever a Viano? No, no, he was the assassin. He was the, the Bariqua. He was the <laughs> He was Austin's coming for there's a target. He was also uh David Patterson. <laughs> Stop. Stop. He was also the destroyer. El Cubano again. El uh it's a especialista two. He's a veteran. Fidel Barrio. Fidel Sierra, and finally, Top Gun. (laughs) (laughs) The the reason why I was asking if he was a Cuban assassin, I can't remember who was on the Austin podcast, but when they're doing the obligatory, here's my past in wrestling, he was like, oh, so when I was traveling the roads making my rounds, I'd introduce myself, and I introduced myself to this one guy, and he goes, I'm the Cuban assassin. He goes, that's your name? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, just, it's just awesome. And finally, just, oh I just God. love I just love that Dusty has he actually says in the match, I don't know much about this El Cubano. No shit, Dusty, nobody does. He said, <laughs> <laughs> Dusty couldn't couldn't do his own work. <laughs> Alright. Wow. Um so we're moving on. Uh I love this promo now for Wrestle War where there are guys in no shirts that are building these cages with just protection gear on for their head. I don't think OSHA would be would be cool with this. Is my note. That's that's a no go, sir. You're con- I like that they're building it now. Yeah, they're getting ready. A month away. A month away. Uh, oh shit, we gotta take it apart and get it to Phoenix. <laughs> and 
And then we come back with the camera that's just stuck on these three women. Thank you. And it's really creepy. Like they just, a, this, is, this is probably my favorite part of the show. And the women, put, must... the, the, one of the ladies looks like she wants to play along, but she runs out of choices really quick of what to do the with this camera. Left. Yeah. She was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I rewound this like three or four times trying to figure out what they were doing there because the cameraman, I think, just got lost. And and the, the, like I took a picture of it, too. I almost put it on Twitter. The one on the left, oh, she's game. She's definitely game. And then the other two are just, uh, hi. <laughs> and it just, it transitions to something completely different. Jim Ross and Dusty never bring it up, never mention it. <laughs> no. It was just strange. <sighs> All right, so I guess that means I got to do this. All right. I guess I got to do this. All right. All right. I get the, I, I get the Renegade Warriors versus Arn Anderson and Barry Windham. All right. Um. The horsemen clearly get more of the reaction from the crowd, which is hilarious. Uh, they, 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 it's crazy. They have their portraits above the entrance. It's awesome. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, I don't think Dusty Rhodes understands what a technical foul is. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to do his own football references. Except that's a basketball no. reference. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> Oh, pardon me. <laughs> it's it's really funny that does he tries to say that he's when Barry Windham's taking a timeout that he tries to rope in a technical foul. Doesn't work. Uh, the horsemen do a great job. That I will say that they do a great job of trying to shine up the warriors. Like he they 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 give them so much in this match. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of perplexing when Barry Windham like as just a regular just non signature move just breaks out a DDT. Because at that moment, it was like, well, I guess that's not the finish. Because <laughs> <laughs> we won't be seeing that later. Sorry, Arn. Shit. <laughs> so instead, we get... Um, uh, we get... I, oh, you talk about references. JR, I, I guess you could see it coming. Eventually, he was going to do a Custer reference when the Native Americans are in a match. <laughs> and he does. He says it's... I, I forget exactly what it is. But uh, it's uh, now we know how Custer feels. I mean, felt right. What the fuck? Yeah, and so we end up this thing. It ends up finishing with a superplex for the Horsemen to win off the a, second row. Yeah, not really. It's kind of a. <laughs> it's like a Superboy plex, not a Superman plex. It's a Superboy plex. That's what we'll. <laughs> so there we go. Um, I gave this a five. I thought it was okay. I think that again, it's like a credit to the Horsemen that, um. Even though they came out like they easily had the crowd behind them, they did their best to make the Warriors look like the faces in the match, and they gave them so much. They gave them a lot in this, so uh, big credit to them. It was good to see Barry Windham finally doing something on this, right? I mean, we hadn't seen him uh, in like a real wrestling match besides that street fight that we saw with Doom, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think so, yeah. I think that was the only thing. But anyway, uh, Jason, what you think of it, man? Oh well, the Renegade Warriors get a little uh, get a little crowd reaction, which is all right. It's the most that they've gotten. Um, they've really upped their game to doing the spinning wah 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 to let everyone know they're Native Americans. Um, so really glad with that. Uh, the one thing I don't get is you pointed out that the Horsemen do their best to try to get a shine, but we have Arn Anderson, who we've already just seen him go toe to toe with Doom multiple times. Tries to call a timeout against the Renegade Warriors. 
and just <laughs> a technical foul, it. Jason. That's that's what's that's not what well, that was. He's calling a technical oh, there foul. Was, there was two. There was the, <laughs> he's, he's rolling that. I'm like, and he looks bewildered. Um, there is a great spot where one of the warriors gets a hot tag to the other, and Arn is right there. And it's like Arn's waiting on the okay. You're supposed to hit me, and I go down. And the guy just takes off running away <laughs> from Arn. Bounces off the rope and comes back and nails him with a forearm to his face. I don't think Arn was expecting it because it's a pretty fucking hot tag. I guess he heard some shit he didn't like, but he nails him. Uh, it's during this match that Dusty decides to tell, he puts over putting your wife in a headlock and leaning on her. Um, Terrible. So Ugh. I don't know what it's, what it's doing because uh, later he says, don't do that because don't hurt him because we love him. You know, because women are feeble. Um, it just, uh, yeah. Uh, they do subtly bring up how Arn Anderson really wants the TV title. Really? Then why is he in a tag team match for no belts? <laughs> I, instead of going after the TV champion. Well, yet he had um, it for such a long time, he never defended it. So it was like, what the heck are we doing here? Yeah, that's true. It was what? We started in July, and we never see him defend it. He just suddenly doesn't have it. Um, so, yeah, Arn goes for a Vader bomb for some reason. <laughs> I, I, called it a, like, I, I called it a double Aider bomb. A double <laughs> that guy's in, like, the middle of the ring. <laughs> yeah. and, and he hits Arn it, Anderson. but he doesn't? Yeah. Yeah, he, it's, it goes, it's a confusing it, spot. It's, oh, he got it. No, he didn't. He got his knee up. No, I think Arn just extended himself, and he's really hurt. Oh, my gallbladder. But it just, I don't know. Um, I gave this a four. <laughs> Are you like questioning a, that? <laughs> Are you sure? Well, because I, I, I didn't have a match rating next to it, and that's why oh, I was questioning. Oh, okay. okay. I, yeah. How about you, Charlie? Well, my first note was Renegade Warriors haven't been pink slipped yet. <laughs> like, you know, these guys are becoming my mortal enemies on this on this season. Um, so yeah, this is the match it's going to be. So I'm like, okay, let's do this. I found it very interesting that Gary Michael Capetta introduced Barry Windham from Sweetwater, Texas, and then he introduced Arn Anderson from Minnesota. <laughs> like it's like it's Japan now. You know, like ECW used to do that. You know, from Japan. Fuck, I don't know. You don't care. You know, <laughs> from Italy. So, from yeah, that was it. From Italy. Yeah, <laughs> you've heard of it. Uh, it's uh, so anyway. Uh, it's always fun to see Arn Anderson do the spine buster. <clears throat> um, I, I just love the way he does it. So with just um, amazing finesse. Um, I do want to talk about this this moment. Jason brought it up, but. Man, I just I thought it was so weird because basically Dusty, he's encouraging all of us to go home and put our wives in what is a front chancery and to see how fast she'll pass out. That's what he said. I mean, that's what he's insinuating. But the best part is the delayed response that Jr. gives where there's a little pause and then you hear Jr. go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like Jr. has said some sexist things uh, in the past, but <laughs> even he was like, "I'm not touching that shit," you know. That's a little, that's a little much there, Virgil. Uh, so, <laughs> so let's see here. 
Uh, I have the uh, yeah the Vader bomb spot where he put up his his knees, but he didn't. But Arn sold it that way anyway. Um, I thought this was interesting. So the Renegade Warriors actually kind of showed some charisma in a weird way. And I mean, yeah, like the crowd reacted a little bit, but Jesus, for them, that's like that's like Stone Cold's glass breaking. You know, it was it was really interesting to hear them get a reaction and to see like the way that they played in the ring. They actually looked like they were. A, having fun, and B, being characters. And Arn, even though I thought Arn overdid it with a lot of his reactionary stuff, I still thought that Arn was helpful with put, with helping to put them over, except for when he did the timeout thing. Like, that's where I thought I was like, dude, you're Arn Anderson. You know, I was like, come on, these guys I don't think have won yet. But still, like, the Renegade Warriors looked okay here. Um, I... I think that's all I have. I would give this a five. Oh. Okay, so... Yeah. All right, so at a commercial, we go to Tony, who hypes up Vader versus Hanson, which we're going to get at Russell War 91. Oh, my God. We get to see some footage from Japan during one of their previous matches. Uh, Tony then has Stan Hansen standing by with an entire pack of Red Man in his mouth. Um, yes. A lot of uh, it's a lot of rambling uh, from Hanson. Doesn't really quite know what he's talking about here. <laughs> uh, it sounds like maybe this is a no DQ match, but I'm not sure. But it feels that way. But we'll see. Um, I can't believe it. We're get. I can't believe we're gonna get Hanson and Vader at the next show. I'm psyched. I know. I'm pumped. Do you think? Do you think it's insensitive of WCW to like while we're in the middle of the Gulf War? To constantly keep showing ads for a pay-per-view called Wrestle War with a bunch of wrestlers saying, we declare war. Yeah. Do you think that's a little much? Yeah. Uh, I don't don't think we're at war yet. Wasn't wasn't, uh, Desert Storm only like 100 hours and it hasn't been declared yet? Well, it wasn't long, but we still had troops over there. Yeah. But you got to be able to say, we're going to kick their ass. Well, you you can say that. That's fine. You know, it's just, it's kind of like, you know, with... Like when the London bombings happened and then WWE like put the mirror on themselves and went, oh, Muhammad Hassan. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe uh, maybe we should stop this. It's actually right about to happen. Desert Storm is from January 17th till February 28th of 91. Oh, wow. So it was Desert Shield at this point. And then Uh, it just struck me as odd that WCW would. Oh, we support our troops, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to we have a civil war going on here at home. (laughs) <laughs> WCW. It's brother versus brother, brother. <laughs> so then that throws us to Jason here. We've got Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker versus Flying Brian. Please, no. I am very excited for this because Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker is one of my favorite jobbers in WCW ever. I love him. Uh, I, I love to not like him. There we go. Um, Dusty, at some point during the match, says, my daughter, Cody. <laughs> yes, I wrote this. And I, I, I went back. I looked it up, too. I was like, maybe he had a daughter, too. Blew me away. Dude, yeah. I had to rewind it. I was like, there's no way he just said that. And Yeah. Because <laughs> I, like, I had that thought, too. Does he have a son named Cody and a daughter named Cody? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, we learned a lot about Stardust today, didn't we, fellas? But, uh, <laughs> we don't no, know but... what he is yet. <laughs> it appears oh. Dusty was not all in on what his child was. Oh, oh no. Jesus. And his wife was El Cubano. Or, or his wife me, was passed Cubano. out from the chin lock or whatever. Oh, it's that fun. I like it. Charlie's kayfabe. Cody's mom is Sapphire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah, baby, yeah. daddy, baby. Yeah. Dusty. Oh, some of my favorite commentary though from Nitro, Charlie. I know you hated it, but at some point, I think Miss Jackie was there or Jacqueline, and she was Miss Jackie, and she was wrestling the Disco Inferno, and she picks him up and does like the Steiner screwdriver to the Disco Inferno. <laughs> I remember it was something intense, and Dusty just yells, that's not a woman, that's a man in a woman's suit. <laughs> yes, I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> a woman's suit. <laughs> I don't remember if it was something as intense as a Steiner, a Steiner screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> it was your disco with his hair probably just bounced off the mat. <laughs> but, uh... <clears throat> This, even though we're getting towards the end of this show, this is... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So Disco's in the back with Jackie. And, and goes, and goes, okay, Jackie, what's the finish? Steiner screwdriver! It's Scott Steiner in the woman's suit. <laughs> what you gonna do? Oh, no. <laughs> you see... They say all men are created equal, but not when I dress up as a black woman. You got a 143% chance of being offended. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my, oh, my chest. Oh, God. Um, Sergeant Bunnelly Parker is the man. Uh, this is where I noticed that, really, WCW has gone all in on flipping guys over the top rope on this show. There is, I think there's like been one in, in every match except for one where someone's getting catapulted back in. Um, you get a lot of Flying Brian living up to his name, uh, which is fantastic. He is all over the place. He does a phenomenal forearm to Buddy Lee Parker out on the entrance ramp from the ring, which is pretty cool, but I still don't know how that's not a fucking DQ because he goes over the top rope. Um, it's just uh, it's a really good showcase for Brian. It's a real high, fast-paced match. There's a lot of talk about Brian's heart. This is where he goes into Cody because Dusty says Brian is the tiniest of men uh, in the Wrestle War match. And going back to Dusty's comment earlier about his tiny honey, I'm like, he's into Pillman. Um, he is thirsty for Pillman. But uh, Jesus, Charlie. <laughs> it's just I got these are these are the things I forgot to write, but I remember them now that you say it. And I'm just yeah, uh, he's just an awful commentator. It's 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 man, it's dusty and like going through this. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> he he's doing this. I'm gonna make everything the most important thing in the world, and when you do that, everything sucks because you're it's it's just not working. Um, but you know, I had fun with this match. I gave it a five and a half. What put it over a half? What's the half? Yeah, like, what's the half? <laughs> Buddy Lee Parker. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, real quick. I think JR calls Brian one of the most courageous athletes in the world. <laughs> I, I mean, Take that Special Olympics. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Charlie, go for it, man. 
Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were going to go oh, to your review. No, 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 no. I just want to throw that out there because there was all this okay. really in- incredible hyping of Flying Brian. Okay, well, well, yes. So that's basically all I'm going to talk about because uh, the only note I had written down was the My Daughter Cody bit. But luckily, I do, I do have memories of watching this and going, what is going on? I, I, I'm pretty sure Brian Pillman has played for every major NFL football team um, <laughs> that we have and the Canadian Football League as well. I mean, he, but we don't get those teams. But we don't get those teams. I'm sure that that he played for the XFL before it was even invented. I mean, JR just wouldn't shut up. And it's like, Brian Pillman is over. Like, he's really over. People really like the guy. And he's just constantly bringing this up, and he's, he's courageous and this and that. And then they completely counterbalance that with going, well, he's going to be the smallest man at Wrestle War. And, and they just completely, like, take that mystique away from him with him being in all these football teams. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's small compared to like, fucking Lex Luger. But, you know, I mean, he's not a small guy. He just is when you put him next to all those big guys. Um, and I, I just found it to be contradictory, and it wasn't helpful. And Buddy Lee Parker, to talk about him for just a second, I do remember him. And I just <laughs> like, and I, Jason, I didn't really remember it until you said it. I do remember him losing all the time. Yeah, um, and I think, I think he hangs around for years. Yeah, uh, he's the best because when all they got to say is from the Highway Patrol and everyone boots. <laughs> that cracked me up. I'm like, Can we just yeah, say real quick? Why is Dusty pretty much advocating police violence, but he's going crazy about the troops? Right. Yeah. There's there's so many things that don't make sense. We support the troops. We support the troops. And then and like there's this highway patrolman. Yes, but he's he's a cop also. And we're booing a cop. You know, I'm like I'm starting to like like is he like a heel like big boss man type heel or like or, or because he seems like an all right dude. Like it's just it's just weird. Uh, the what what they cheer for and what they don't cheer for. And maybe they would think about they they would think that about us like in in this year or in this time. You know, maybe it's it's different to them. But like me, I equate it to the same thing uh, back then. Like if you support the troops, well, then you support law enforcement because they're enforcing the law over there. And, th- and this is law enforcement here. It's the same damn thing to me. And it's oh, boo, fuck him. And I'm just like, well, do you people stand for anything? Like, Jesus Christ. So <laughs> I, I clearly I overthink this shit. But I remember Buddy Lee Parker, and I do like him. Unfortunately, I thought the match was – it was okay. Like, you got Brian Pillman. He did a, a cross body to the outside on the ramp that was pretty cool. And then he thought, well, shit, if it worked out there, maybe it'll work in the ring. He did it in the ring, got a three count. And it was entertaining. I gave the match a four. I have it as a four as well. Pretty much nothing more to really add uh, to it. But uh, um, he's so much – he's a lot of fun to watch, Flying Brian is. He's a lot he of is. fun. So it'll be cool to see what – uh, what it's like at Wrestle Wars. So, uh, coming out of the break, it's time to arm wrestle. Okay, so first it's we have Charlie's about yeah. to say this is mine. Isn't oh it? yeah, yeah. First, let's just set it up that we get Country DJ of the Year Rhubarb Jones introducing, uh, who decides before we need to introduce the competitors, we need to take. Uh, it's, this is very much needed. We need to plug the troops. And so Rhubarb Jones gets introduced, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, well, well. first of all, he's known in the area, apparently, you know, because I, I imagine that we are looking at him kind of like people, like kids today would look at Man Cow if they were to watch WCW in, like, 2000. Like, who the hell is this guy? So they announce his name, and I'm like, okay, what's this guy got? And the second, I'm not kidding you, I'm not making this up, 
the second he opened his mouth, I literally <laughs> shouted at the TV, fuck you, rhubarb. Like, <laughs> I, I was done. I was done. Because what he basically said was what everyone else said, but he condensed it in five seconds. It's like this, 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 this whole thing is kind of taken care of now by not saying anything, simply by wearing an American flag lapel. And I noticed that the American flag lapels, I guess, weren't around back then. And, and that's the way I find that TV personalities have to show that they're patriotic and they, they support everything that America does. So they wear this little lapel, but they didn't have it back then. So they just have to constantly announce, oh, and uh, I'm for the war, too. Yes. Yes, I agree with everything Dusty said. Moving on. And he announces this thing. And Paul E's music, what the hell was that? Uh, he, he comes out, and I, I, I can't even describe it, but he comes out to this, this weird music. He gets on the second rope, and for, for no reason, he starts doing Hulk Hogan's shtick. Did you catch that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that he's billed yeah. as a psycho yuppie, too. Whatever that means. <laughs> A psycho? Yeah. <laughs> He's insane, but he makes a lot of money. Um, they, I, I don't like the way that they staged the arm wrestling table. I, I don't like it at all because if, if, if you're looking at it through the hard cam, um, Missy Hyatt, I mean, it's her back, which is, you know, that's lovely. But she's blocking, like, everything that's happening, like, on, on the table with the action. So they have to, like, counterbalance it by putting – and then plus they're blocking the fans. Like on both sides, like it just doesn't make any sense. It would make more sense to angle it and block only the people on the center right of the cam. But anyway, the, they compensated for this. She does this thing where she kind of plays around with Polly, and basically uh, her tits almost fall out. Polly's eyes just kind of go down, and and she wins the arm wrestling match. And he's stunned. She starts jumping up and down, and wow. Um, I, I gave this an 11 out of 10. <laughs> did you give the replay the 11 out of 10? I did. I was like, hey, the replay worked in its favor. You know, I was, uh, imagine that. You know, I'm, I always, man, I always like Missy Hyatt. Yeah, this is this is clearly an 11. No, I honestly don't know if we should rate this. No, no, there, I wouldn't rate this now. No, I mean, we just okay, talked about good. it. Good. Well, yeah. then I can keep it as, a, as the 11 because I, I was very pleased with the results. Jason, what did you think of it? Well... <clears throat> uh, Rhubarb Jones is a great name and praying for the troops aside, he's a pretty good announcer because he just gets right into it um, where he, the way he just announces Polly and the way he announces her. Uh, I think Polly's music is a edit because the way the booze seemed to just loop through that sound. Um, Cause I remember him coming out to something else. Uh, while Missy Hyde is coming out to fake ZZ Top. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, yeah, you get the whole, I, I mean, I remember watching this, and this was when 10-year-old Jason discovered boobies. Mm. Um, so, yes, and oh, Missy Hyde God. was like, okay. Oh, what? God. What? <laughs> what? It's going to become that show. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. No. I was just like, wait a minute. Uh, Paulie's mouth was like on wait the floor. <laughs> what do I do with this? That's a perfect wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. minute. Yeah. Hold the phone. Hold, <laughs> Lux on the level? Oh. Hold on a second. <laughs> Breaking news. I don't have those. Wait. Yeah. I, w I want those. 
<laughs> yeah, it was real funny how she played him too. She got him to be like, oh, uh, oh, I'm gonna roll my sleeve up. Oh, I'm gonna get you frustrated. And that was a long, frustrated, like downward facing Pauline that he had. And then like they're coming boot. He, he did it for too long. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, she's like, Paul, <clears throat> Paul, like, well, like squeezing them together. Um, my boobs are up El here. <laughs> El Cubano was also one of Missy Hyatt's boobs. So we've got the, <laughs> this, but. What ruins this magical segment are all the horrible boob puns that come from Dusty Rhodes and Jim Ross. Uh, one of the ones that I thought was just worthy of being pointed out was, well, Paul Lee thought he was going to arm wrestle, and he looked up and saw an episode of Twin Peaks. Yeah. And just like, oh, that's that's where my little so many sorry Jans. Uh, sorry Jans. <laughs> <laughs> it was just shit. It was like the moment she took that jacket off, every every male in that area just became like a wolf from the old cartoons where they're eyeballs. Every cartoons? Yeah, thank you. I couldn't yeah. remember for a second. And it was just like, just you know, they, you could take that few minutes of WCW Class of Champions and just rename it Predator because it was rough. Um, Did you but, catch what Paulie was yelling at her? He said, come on, you stupid broad. Well, I oh. thought he was saying blonde. Oh. No, he's broad. Oh wow, that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> he kept saying it. Yeah, it was like oh oh. So I, you know, you watch this, and then you cut uh, flash forward years later to the ECW bit where yep. she's like fucking Justin Credible in the bathroom, screaming at Francine, "You need to fuck him." You're like oh, Polly clearly, clearly had things. Um, so you know, I'm glad we didn't rate it because. The magnificence of the slow-mo Baywatch moment, because it's funny, is then undercut by the grossness that Jim Ross and Dusty Rhodes put out. Yeah, Sorry, Dusty Seth. Rhodes, I don't even think he knows what he is. I mean, he, he's, uh, as far as I can tell, the two people that turned him on in this show were Paul Heyman and Missy Hyatt. <laughs> They're in this one match. Pansexual Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> L3, baby! <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Welcome to the beauty shop. <laughs> Great. What about you, though, William? What I, did you think? I mean, it. I don't have much more to add to it. I mean, like, it, I, it just reminds me of the scene from Over the Top where, like, that the one dude is, like, all hyped up and Stallone's, like, really pissed off because he just, like, just told off uh, Robert Loja that he's going to take the kid and go to jail, doesn't care. And, uh, the guy, like, just keeps trying to mess with Stallone, and then Stallone just destroys him in, like, a second. He just, just, just <laughs> yeah. destroys him and slams his fist down because he's so pumped up. And the guy just keeps saying, I wasn't ready! I wasn't ready! <laughs> it's the best. So, yeah, this was just, uh, I just wanted her to take the hat and turn it around. I think it's like a switch. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows the Hyatt was heart wrestling for the custody of her son. That's right. But uh, no, I don't have anything more to add to that. It was, it, you know, it, uh, thankfully wrestling never gets rid of these types of uh, these types of segments because we'll get many more of them throughout the years. Where it's like, all right, we need to have something in between now and the main event just to kind of get the fans just kind of eased up and ready to go. All right, cool. So here we go. But um, yeah, that's about all I got on. So backstage, they sh well they showed this this I guess this bit or whatnot that they recorded with Flair, Wyndham, Sullivan, you guys named everybody. And then a, seems like a really liquored up or coked up Lawrence Taylor 
doesn't really. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> what he speaks is the truth. <laughs> he just repeats that. But see, like they don't so. really say this was taped, and like they're saying this is East Rutherford, and I'm worried that Ric Flair's not going to make it in time for the show. <laughs> Dude, he's next. <laughs> well, he is the jet flying. He's the jet, clearly. <laughs> so anyway, that sets up our um, our main event here. Scott Steiner versus Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight Championship with TV time remaining. I don't know Uh-oh. why, but we have University of Michigan cheerleaders in Georgia. They flew them down just for this. So, On a school night. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ric Flair walks out with five women, and surprisingly, like, you know, he, he well diversified. Well, I mean, I mean, there's. Well, hold the hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not well yeah. diversified at it's, all. It's pretty terrible. It's yeah, awful. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like the they realize part. we have so many white women. We'll just let's like, can we find one black lady to put with them? There we go. Right, because you got like three like really hot numbers. Then you got this Sarah Plain and Tall looking chick, and then uh, <laughs> and then you got yeah, the one black woman that they put on his arm. I'm like. Whatever. <laughs> Come on, that's not enough. And then, in his music, this, like, John Williams B-side or something. I don't know what this is. That was 2002, it's based on <laughs> This is 2010, oh, the year we made contact, I guess. That freaking theme. What is this? I was, like, wondering. I was like, why was it? They lose he... the rights to... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um... There's all this pre-match crap. They have Hiro Matsuda from New Japan being introduced. The winner is going to be... I, I forget who he's taking on in the Dome. The winner, Pretty much the winner of this match will be defending the, the WCW title, the World Heavyweight title, I guess, or the NWA World title, whatever you want to call it, since I think that's still technically the belt is the NWA, but um, he's going to be defending it in, the, in Japan at the Dome. Uh, and then Eligante gets introduced, and Flair just immediately starts talking trash to him instead of shaking his hand. It's awesome. Don't waste your time, big man. I'm the world heavyweight champion. Well, it's funny he tells him. Like, shit. Eligante is so awkward. When he sticks his hand out to shake Ric Flair's hand, his hand is, like, parallel with Flair's face. <laughs> I know. It's, and, I'm, and I'm watching, like, please, Rick, shake his hand. I want to see what this would look like. You know? Uh, Flair talks a lot of trash with Scott Steiner and then has the audacity to try and do a pose down with Scott Steiner. <laughs> I'm sorry, Richard. It's not working out tonight for you in this regard. You're not going to beat Scott Steiner in a pose down. Not this decade, not any decade, sir. Um, this isn't that good. It's okay. It's not great. And I think a lot of it you can tell there is not great chemistry with Flair and Steiner. And it feels like maybe Flair is sandbagging this a little bit. There's an awful lot of rest holds. And I understand we're trying to fill the TV time here. This match feels terribly slow. Then, like, when even Scott tries to do his tilt-a-whirl, it never tilts and we never go around the world. It's just we a never side... whirl? No, we know there's no whirl. <laughs> there's no tilt-a-whirl at all. It's just a, a sidewalk slam, basically. And it just really feels like Steiner is just kind of... Like how Sid Vicious is in any other match against Jobber than when he faces Jobbers is what Scott Steiner looks like he's in here. 
the finish they tried they, you can tell what they're once they start doing the countdown like in terms of like yep. the, the last few seconds you can tell it's like okay they got to get to a, a near fall so scott does like fuck it belly to belly <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like they nearly time it out but it's definitely a little bit off like capetta seems to like speed up and slow down a little bit <laughs> as it's going but it ends up with uh with a draw here, with Scott, with Scott Steiner best just barely missing a, and it's like it wouldn't have even gotten a three count because Flair I think doesn't Flair kick out at two anyway. Well, see once again like this isn't even like the replay betraying it. It's the fucking camera that they use. You can clearly see Flair looking up at Nick Patrick. Yeah, and 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 you know he's he's gonna raise that shoulder if the uh, if the time doesn't run out. Mm-hmm. I, and then Charlie, you put up that GIF which was awesome. That video. Oh man! Fuck it, I'll make it over. <laughs> Fuck it, yeah. Scott Steiner is like you don't have to sell Ric Flair, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With the exception of like the Black Scorpion match that we obviously had, the main events have been pretty good uh, that we've gotten so far. You know, on these shows, I'm not gonna say they've all been excellent or anything, but they've at least been pretty good. I give this a five, but it's not even that great of a five, really. Like I just. This just never really came together. I don't really think I. I think it should have done more for Scott Steiner, but it's just not that good of a match to me. Jason, what do you think of it? Well, uh, I like that it has a Gary Michael Capetta getting stalled out in his announcing again, and they really need to start like filling him in, or he needs to show up for production meetings because he starts his intro on the way to the ring, and then just turns around and there's the cheerleaders, and he just stops. Because he was like, oh, fuck. Uh, and then here comes Scott Steiner with, and he, with his brother, Rick. Then we get Ric Flair with the not Ric Flair's music. And it really is. It's so it is. It's off-putting to see Ric Flair and not hear that song when he's coming down to the ring. Like, it was really off-putting. Um, as someone who was watching this a lot, the praise with TV time remaining always makes my heart sink. Uh, because there were so many times that this is just how Flair got out of you know, getting beat by Sting and Luger and the others. And you already know it's going to already fucking suck. Um, everyone else, you know, other people gets an, get an hour, not the main event. It gets TV time. And we say it gets TV time remaining, and then we waste more time by having the introduction of these guests at ringside. Like, if I was Scott Steiner, I'd be a little pissed off. Um, oh, but probably so, was, Jason. It doesn't matter. He's pissed off all the time. Well, you know what I mean. Legitimately pissed off, and rightfully so. Um, Flair avoids taking flat bat bumps in a match with Scott Steiner. That's saying something. Um, Because I think that the not tilt-a-whirl slam, Flair still somehow lands on his side. And I don't know how that big, nasty bump on his back doesn't explode uh, the many times that he gets slammed around. Um, There's a commercial break and a main event. World Heavyweight Championship match. So imagine they come back from commercial break and Scott Steiner standing in the ring holding the World Heavyweight Championship. Oh yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the one match in WWF that ended in a freaking commercial break was like Kofi beating Wade Barrett or something. It was just like really fucking weird. Um, but it's just, I don't know. Like I guess you put it, it's their lack of chemistry. It doesn't seem to click very well because. Scott Steiner should he should be looking like a beast against Ric Flair. Ric Flair, I mean, he should be pulling out all the tricks. 
but it's way too many tricks though. I mean, like how many spots are there where he's using the ropes as leverage? Rick knocks his leg down. He immediately puts it right back up and they just repeat that. I mean, Jesus for, like, Christ, he puts on like 12 figure fours. Like I, I mean, yeah. Jesus Lord. Like, I mean, is that how many it takes to get Scott Steiner down? I yeah. guess so. Um, like the one, uh, Dusty call says that your leg goes numb, so you don't know it's hurting, and that's how his leg got broke. He says Scott Steiner's leg is as numb as a cucumber. Uh, it's, a, it's again, where does Dusty go? It's uh, just like, uh, uh, yes, right. Uh, there is a really excellent spot of camera work, though, as much as we diss it, where Scott puts Ric Flair in that double underhook powerbomb, and it's like the cameraman is resting on the apron because when the, that angle, it just shakes. And it looks, it makes it look like that's the most devastating move ever. Yeah. Um, I like it. So we get, here we go, 10. And Scott's just kind of moseying on over and decides to go put Rick in the, in the belly to belly when the ref gets to three. It's like, you better do this fast. Uh, this is going to be over. But it's TV time remaining. So the match ends because there's no more TV time, but there's enough time for the sign off. I've always hated it. Yeah, it should have just cut the black. Yeah, it's what pisses me off. It should be it. It should be the fans. We got to go. We're out of time. Click. It's over. Like, and I'm not saying that for the for the jokey pop. I mean, that's how it should be. And then you never like, oh no, they, the the Flair got away again. When you say the match is over, and yes, Flair kicked out, but when you say the match is over because the, there's no more time and you still have a few seconds for a sign off. It really kills it. Um, yeah, yeah. but I mean, like, like you said, you said it's not good or it's not great and it's not bad. It's average. So it's a five for me. This, I mean, I think this has to do with their feud, like their backstage heat. Like this is certainly contributing to this. Cause this, it just doesn't, it, it definitely seems like flares. Like uh-uh, I'm not giving this guy anything. All right. Charlie, what'd you think? Uh, uh, I was excited at first because you know I looked at the I looked at the uh, the time remaining and it was like 20 minutes, and I didn't feel that there had been a good long match on this thing yet, and I was wondering if if they could pull it out. I was like, well, if anybody can do it with Scott Steiner, then it's going to be Ric Flair, and that's just not the case. And I wonder if it, if it might have been you know a case of sandbagging, and I and I couldn't help but think of. You know, Scott Steiner throwing Ric Flair under the bus on that promo on Nitro, like nine or ten years after this, and uh, you know, because clearly like they had problems. But anyway, so the match, the match gets going, and Flair, like this is one of those things about him. It just drives me nuts. Like he, he gets hit. He does that god awful yell. Like, it, like <laughs> the, there are the, there are these spots that you can see coming a mile away with Flair, and he does it with everybody. It's not like he saves these for certain wrestlers or the ones that really deserve it. There will always be the test of strength hand spot where the guy will lift, you know, b- basically bend Flair's hand and oh god, and then just <laughs> land on his knees and just oh Jesus, and I'm just like, man, why? Why do you do this? It's one of the it's one of the frustrating things about him. Um, the, uh, I knew that we were going to have a, tr- a problem <laughs> with the time limit thing. Once uh, the six minute count started six minutes remaining. And I'm like, what a weird number to, to say. <laughs> like, like if that's like, if I saw a sign when I was driving down the road that said six miles an hour and just, what the fuck is that? <laughs> you know, like, like it's just, you don't announce six minutes, but anyway, so th- they need to just abolish this fucking thing. Um, 
the over-the-top rule is just completely bullshit. Uh, Scott Steiner clotheslines Ric Flair over the top rope, and Nick Patrick doesn't do anything. JR goes, oh, he's going he's gonna to let that slide. He's going to let that slide. It's like, okay. And then there's that incident that I put on Twitter where Steiner just completely obliterates Flair over the top rope, and Steiner was supposed to go with him, but he didn't. So he lands back in the ring, looks back out the side, and then leaps over the top <laughs> rope for no reason. So stupid. And, um, I mean, you're not kidding, man. Flair puts on the figure four so many goddamn times. Even Steiner puts on the figure four. And that's another <laughs> spot. That's another spot you can always see coming in one of these things. Whoever Flair's wrestling, he's going to know how to do the figure four. You know, he's going to put Flair in the figure four. And, or, or Flair's going to do the figure four, and it's going to get reversed. And it's the same shit. He's going to get body slammed over the top rope. He does that turnbuckle spot like three times. When he gets, you know, when he gets thrown yeah. into the turnbuckle and woo! And he's just kind of, <laughs> you know, it's not really skinning the cat, but, you know, it was cool back then. It just But to see it done three times. And then there's this thing where Flair keeps trying to use the ropes to pin Scott Steiner. And I'm just sitting here like, is he really that much of a threat? Does Ric Flair, like the multiple-time world champion who's main evented Starcade after Starcade, is he really having trouble with a tag team wrestler? You know, it's, it reminded me of the Butch Reed match. You know, it's just like, you cannot sell like this for everybody. You just can't do that. And not, not to put Steiner down, but, I mean, as, in terms of a singles competitor, Scott Steiner isn't in Ric Flair's league. And he never was, and he, you know, even when he becomes a singles wrestler. Scott Steiner is still, I think, hobbled by the Steiner brothers at this point. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy him in the main event. It's kind of like what Jason said about Ricky Morton. And it's like I'm just waiting for him to make a tag and see Steiner lines and stuff like that. And, you know, it just never happens. Um, but anyway, so the over-the-top rope thing really bothered me because the same exact fucking thing happened with Sting earlier in the night it was the same thing and that was called and this wasn't and i know i haven't harped on wcw's bullshit rules in a long time but i mean this was really glaring to me and it really took me uh, out of the match but anyway so the final the final minute of this match is just fucking hysterical to me because i'm convinced that scott steiner cannot hear capetta he just can't hear him because he's he's like one minute 30 seconds and steiner's like posing He's walking around the ring asking the fans if they want another. And it's like, dude. And then it finally, like, hits him with four seconds left. Oh, shit. Belly to belly. And hits the, <laughs> hits the belly to belly because you know Flair ain't taking the Frankensteiner. <laughs> and, and he hits him with it. And, yeah, and it's that bullshit two count, two and a half is what they made it look like, which automatically would make you go, well, I guess Steiner's getting a rematch. No, not, not to my knowledge. Um I really didn't like this match hardly at all. Uh, and, oh, and then to tag it off with Flair constantly being on the ropes, how many times does Rick Steiner have to knock Flair's legs off the ropes? And and the referee, like, yelling at him about it and then going, oh, but you're right. Like, Nick Patrick actually yells at Rick Steiner at one point, kicks Flair's legs off the ropes, and then looks back at Rick Steiner and, and does this kind of nod of approval, like, oh, now I see what you were doing. Yep, yep, I suck at my job. I am terrible. <laughs> And one more person I want to throw under the bus are these fucking fans who take their time to make a sign for their favorite wrestler, and they cannot, for the life of them, know how to spell all their name. Like, 
It just are, it's unreal. Like are you I know about the one that looks like it was written in lipstick and mascara. Yes. Says, we love the Steiners, and it's like running down the well, spine. Well, there's that one. Yeah, but there was one that was very similar to it in this, in the same similar kind of writing. I know how to spell Ric Flair. I know that he doesn't spell it with a K, only because I've seen it in every fucking video game he's ever been in. Anytime he's ever come to the ring, and I've seen his name blazoned across the bottom of my screen. And the only other wrestler that tops it more than Ric Flair is Bret Hart. People spell Bret with two T's. They spell it like it's an actual heart in your fucking chest. These fans are idiots, and they bother to make the sign, and it's immortalized forever. Like, Ric Flair, number one. <laughs> That's why you never got the fuck out of Gainesville, you kick. Like, it's just, I, I hate these people. Uh, there's, no, there's nothing that gets me more than spelling is. And it's like, and you know this guy. It's one fucking syllable, and you can't get it right. So, anyway. End of rant. Uh, I, gave, I gave this a four. All right, so while you come up with that stuff, man, I got, um, I got, I said I had two things I wanted to read. One is from Scott's Blog of Doom. If you haven't ever gone to this, it's really, really cool. I've heard it referenced a lot on the Place to Be podcast. It's great just for getting some behind-the-scenes stuff. This is, as it's labeled, k uh, Commentaries Timeline Series 1991 WCW as told by Barry Windham. <laughs> January. On January 11th in East Rutherford, New Jersey, Lex Luger defeated Curtis Hughes. Luger had Lawrence Taylor of the New York Giants in his corner in what was billed as a football challenge match. Of course. Wyndham said that the WCW office had been talking to Taylor and paired him with Luger, who had played in the USFL. He then said that it was just a one-shot deal to boost, conf boost attendance and did not have any long-term plans for Taylor and the company. At that same show, Ric Flair defeated Sting to become the WCW World Champion. Wyndham talks about how Flair was the man and everyone wanted to be like him. He also talks about growing up around him and the company. Um, uh, and the company was at its best when, uh, when it was based around Flair. Wyndham talks about teaming with Arn Anderson and said they, were always, they always got along and they were both ring generals. They worked against Doom at the show in New Jersey and he said that Butch Reed could be difficult to work with at times. He talks about the party at Lawrence Taylor's club. They celebrated Ric Flair's win and hung out in the VIP room, as Wyndham said. Uh, there was nothing more than drinking going on there. I don't believe that. Uh, Sean asked Wyndham about WCW wrestlers appearing on The Family Feud and how Hollywood makes a mockery out of wrestling. Wyndham says they do, but it's all entertainment, and as long as they get paid, everything's fine. Dusty Rhodes returned after a two-year absence at the Clash of the Champions 14. He had recently replaced Ole Anderson as head booker. Wyndham says that in between the period that Ole was fired and Dusty and Dusty came back, he was the one who was booking. Wyndham confirms that most wrestlers' problems with Dusty stemmed from the fact that during his last run as Booker, he put himself over just about everyone. Alexandra York, Terry Runnels, started the York Foundation. Wyndham said that she was just a makeup girl for Georgia Championship Wrestling at one point and does not know who came up with the idea. When asked, Wyndham said that she did not display any ability to be an effective on-air personality and said she got on TV She got on TV because of who she was dating at the time. That's one. Now, number two here, just to build on that. At the end of 1990, Ole Anderson was fired as the head booker of WCW after booking the promotion into losing what was reported to be $6.5 million for the year, despite Ole only being in charge for only seven months. The promotion was looking wow. for... <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? The promotion was looking for a, a new booker. A month? I know. 
The promotion was looking for a new booker, but surprisingly, a name out of the past was being mentioned. Things had gotten so bad under Ole that Dusty Rhodes was being considered for the head booking job. (laughs) (laughs) Dusty's booking was a contributing factor to the failure of Jim Crockett promotions. People were optimistic because this time Dusty was not going to wrestle, so he would not be booking to make himself look good. Dusty returned from an embarrassing WWF stint to the being the man in charge at WCW. Another char another change took place as a disagreement between the owners of the NWA name and Ted Turner's executives caused them to separate. When Ric Flair defeats Sting for the world title on January 11th, his thank you for the Black Scorpion bailout, he is announced as the first World Championship Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion. However, the NWA still recognizes Flair as their champion as well. Three days after the world title change, Tom Zink loses his TV title back to Arn Anderson at a TV taping. The match isn't aired for several weeks after, and Zink continues to defend the title until then, notably at the January 30th Clash of the Champions against Bobby Eaton. Dave Meltzer rips WCW for this practice in his Wrestling Observer newsletter. Most of the clash is pretty forgettable, but it is notable for Flair's title defense draw against Scott Steiner. No, it's not. I, we all disagree with that. Which is <laughs> During January, Rhodes proceeds to change the booking committee to a group of his friends, including Barry Windham, Grizzly Smith, Magnum TA, Kevin Sullivan, Ron West, Mike Graham, and Jody Hamilton. Only Kevin Sullivan was kept on the temporary team in place after Ole was released. The other members of the temporary team went back to their normal duties, Flair to wrestling, and Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone to announcing. In 1991, Shivani was appearing on two sta- two superstations as WCW had a show on the Superstation WGN out of Chicago for a year. Tony's co-host was Larry Sabisco and legendary broadcaster Jack Brickhouse, and, uh, who had a small segment on the show. That's pretty much about it. The rest of this, I think, will... Um, is it, I'm trying to think. Is it, yeah, there's one little bit here. One of the fears of Dusty taking over was his way of booking to put himself over, but most people thought, we just mentioned this, it wouldn't be a problem since he wasn't wrestling. They underestimated Dusty. <laughs> he appeared on a lot of the shows with the title of Goodwill, Amba- Goodwill Ambassador Ambassador for WCW uh, appearing under his name. That's awesome. He's the Goodwill Ambassador. Yep, there he is, folks. It's Dusty Rhodes. And everyone was having to mention him. Then Dustin showed up in February, and the promotion had a new star. So, I'll stop it there there's more to come with that but obviously we haven't covered it in the timeline but it goes to show you why like dusty makes himself a big part of this show is because he's got the book so there you go you guys got anything to add to that it's i I mean does it make kind of make things kind of come together a little bit more as to why it was on this show he's overrated dusty Rhodes is over fucking rated like i know he's beloved and all that shit but i'm sorry like i don't see it I find him annoying, and I'm not looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say that. I'll watch these, right but now. I'm not going to enjoy them. I'm probably not going to be pleasant for a little while. So, great. Uh, boy, this oh. is. I tell you, this episode's going to have a lot of hits for that compilation. I just feel it. I just, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of timestamps for this episode. <laughs> but, um, Charlie, you got the ratings? I do, I do. How do we do with this? So, how <laughs> <laughs> How we doing? Uh, well, this seems to be par for the course. I, I, I believe I've said these exact words many times. I have it rated at the lowest, with <laughs> with a three point six. Jason has it rated at the highest with a four point two, and Will, you're right in the middle as always at a three point <laughs> nine. <laughs> and 
we we gave Clash of the Champions 14 Dixie Dynamite a, a 3.9. We, believe it or not, we're way underneath where it is on cagematch.net. This got a 5.13. <laughs> yeah. Fucking idiots. Wow. <laughs> Five point, no way. There are two people that gave this, this a seven. Of, this is one of the worst shows. Two people gave it a seven out of ten. Clearly, they probably, they, probably took, they probably took remedial math. You know, it's it's just there's just no way. Yeah, like th- this is an this is a god awful show. Like this is really bad. Well, yeah, I mean, well, you know, uh, but uh, <laughs> there's not a single match that's above a five. Yeah, a it, it's pretty pedestrian. Um. Well, unless you want to count the Missy Hyatt thing. Sure. (laughs) See, maybe we should have included that. Maybe then, maybe they did include it, and that's why the rating's that high. Okay, all right. So maybe we should have rated... I mean, I I read the comments. The comments weren't anything great, like nothing like too samey, but... uh, But I'm ready for ECW to die. <laughs> it's a little too samey. Getting a little samey. <laughs> but um, I'm looking forward to Wrestle War. I'm excited to see that main event. Me uh, too. To Me see too. how that turns out. But uh, that'll be the next show. That'll be uh, Wrestle War 91. Will be the next episode of the podcast. Um, I don't think I have anything else. Do you guys have anything else to add? No. Uh, no. No. I think that'll think that about okay. does it. Well, you can find us on Twitter at New Blood Pod. We're on Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast. I'm at William Rankin eighty three. I'm at the Jason Kiesler. I'm at CM underscore Stabs. We'll see you all again soon for Wrestle War ninety one. <laughs>